also like would he i i do have a question about like would he leave Je- juliet alone because like my question mm. is like he seems so like protective of her <laughs> under my yeah. protection <laughs> right he's like bringing her along and they're like oh she can't come and he's like any camping you do in front of me can be done in front of her <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist, although by the time you hear this, I will be 27. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode, we decided because we are so ridiculously fixated on the fact that Ben has furniture in his camping (laughs) tent, so we want to know what is the most impractical piece of furniture that you would bring on a camping trip for, like, a tent. And for me, it's gotta be my full mattress. Dang. I would love to be comfortable. I feel like that's not at all impractical. I think that's very useful. I just feel like, you know, most people sleep, like, in a sleeping bag or, like, on the ground in a tent, Um, and I say, or, like, like an air mattress not for me i want my mattress and my full bed frame if possible that's fair that's super fair <laughs> yeah i'm gonna make some random other carry that for me while we're trekking through the ma- through the through the mountains that's what oh i want God. that would be like three people full, yeah. full mattress who cares i'm ben i'm the i'm the leader i can have a bookshelf i can have a chest of drawers why not it's, so it's, you know it's mine. it's glamping oh my god did yeah. the others invent glamping they did i think they did yeah 2004 yeah it was established you heard it here first folks Mm-hmm. My name is Casey Wall. I'm a 25-year-old writer from Rhode Island. I like sapphic ships and making astrological charts for fictional characters. You can follow me on Twitter at CaseyWatchesTV or at LF Candle Co. where I make pop culture-inspired candles. And if I could bring an impractical piece of furniture to the island, I would bring a, like, plant pot mm-hmm. because it's lightweight, easy to carry, I could put decorative things in it, but I could also put... It sounds like you're trying to make it practical. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Lean into it. Okay, well, then I would just... I would plant plants. I would propagate plants. I would Mm -hmm. plant a plant. um, Because I just really like plants. And it's also different when the plants are all around you. Like, I want to have a plant in my tent, you know? Mm. I just... I'm a plant lady. I like my plants. They make me feel happy. So I would do that. And then, you know, worst case scenario, if I needed something to, like, hold some water or something, I Mm. could use my plant pot. Gotta make sure they don't have the holes in the bottom. Because so many plant pots. Yeah, that's... That's what's tricky. That's what's tricky. Cause yeah, I like that you're like I'm surrounded by plants, but this one's my friend. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I am the yeah, person yeah, okay. who like if I literally was living in the jungle, I would get a plant and put it in my tent. Also, huge props for getting through your bio in one take. Thank you. That is the first time that has ever happened. It's your first time, and you did amazing. Good job, Casey. Thank you so much. Thank oh, God. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me because I have failed every other time. It's only been a couple times. You're good. Well, I'm st- I'm still getting used to this whole being a regular thing, you know? No, you're amazing. You're doing it. So eventually it'll just roll <laughs> off the tongue. Like I can recite exactly. your bio in my sleep, but mine, pff, we'll see. Right. <laughs> Maybe one day. And this episode's guest is Isra! Yay! Yay! Hello, hello. My name is Isra. I am 22 right now, but when you're hearing this, I'll be 23. I live in Southern Ontario, and I'm a student, I guess, <laughs> still. Yeah. You're very good at it. <laughs> that is debatable. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm sure you are. My GPA disagrees with me. <laughs> Listen, 
listen, GPAs are dumb and they are made to set people up to fail. But anyway. I know. Okay. I started watching Lost at the tail end of high school and nowadays it's like a comfort show. Like, honestly, in the mm-hmm. last couple of years, it's been very pleasant to have something that like, you know, every episode and like, you know, all the characters and they're like your friends. So, true. so it's like, I'll just like put on an episode when I'm stressed or have time and then like um yeah I just like to think about it and talk about it all of the time so it's nice that someone else wants to talk about it with me oh my god you are in the right <laughs> certainly. place certainly <laughs> yeah it is really nice because like you know I have a watch list of shows that I need to watch that's like a million miles long but every time I sit down to watch one I'm like but I don't know for a fact that this is gonna bring me joy right so I should probably and like I could really use some joy right now so I should yeah. probably just watch something that I already know is gonna bring me joy okay that is so relatable and i'm also the kind of person who like when i start a show i i don't care if it's terrible i need to finish it like maybe i won't finish Mm. the whole series but i'll at least finish the season it's just an impulse Mm. but i don't want to waste my time on something that i don't that that isn't good you know yeah so i get it okay so my favorite characters are hurley rose richard alpert daniel faraday and like this rewatch round i've been like really liking Sawyer a lot more Hmm. I don't I don't know why this time I'm like okay he's my friend now but like this time I'm like I'm I like him more I don't know why because you always find well I find the same thing happens with like every time I watch I like Shannon more or I like Anna Lucia more I like Juliet more every time I rewatch so it that makes sense to me yeah I love that I'm like I'm like debating whether I'm like I'm like agree with you with all of them except for Shannon. I'm still mad at her. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> that is so fair. I feel bad about saying it, but I'm like I don't understand why I can't like her. I'm like I forgive everything except for Shannon being except mean. for Shannon. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah. you know, we all have those things with characters. I'll, maybe you could ask me about this later, but I'm like so still like flabbergasted that Said is like in the airport, like straight up, like she basically could have made him like a whole situation yeah and then she's like i would like to date you later i'm like i don't i can't wrap my head around that like that is so i know that's like that's the first thing that comes to mind when i think of the worst thing that shannon ever did as well that's like that's the thing i'm like i've been inconvenienced in that airport i'm like but i recognize maybe he doesn't know know she did on purpose but i'm like Mm -hmm. how but like wouldn't you ask? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank That is so fair. Yeah. Oh, and then um, you can find me on Twitter at Isra Glass. Um, sometimes I'm on there a lot and sometimes I'm on there a little bit. Um, you can look at me knitting stuff or baking stuff. And sometimes I'll post about like my vanilla making, which is done actually today. Do I'm like- obsessed with your grandma Twitter. That's, <laughs> it is so wholesome and beautiful. Every once in a while I post about politics of like this is ruining my timeline. <laughs> like, ah, a grandma wouldn't do this. <laughs> Today we have words to say about episode 319 of Lost, The Brig. So the brig is the prison of a ship and, you know, they go to a black rock. To, they go to the black, <laughs> black rock, rock and they're literally just a black they rock. They're like, oh, that's rock in the jungle. Yeah. 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 This is what we're talking There's about. There's my favorite leaf. <laughs> yeah. So they go to the black rock and when Locke says, oh, I put him in the brig, I can't tell if that's like a euphemism or if there's an actual brig in that ship, which I'm just not sure if that's true. But maybe both. Who knows? I think, yeah, I would assume it's actually the brig. Yeah. It's like it's like a locking yeah. door. 
Like, oh, yeah. sure, that's true. And he's, he seems like the kind of man who would know things about boats. Ships. Yeah, yeah so, certainly. I don't know. Uh, the broadcast date was May 2nd, uh, 2007. It was written by Damon and Carlton. And it was directed by Eric Lenouville, who has done uh, some pretty good episodes in the past. So we've got a good trio of, of people on this one. Our boys. I also wanted to say right before we start that the schedule of these might be slightly different. Um, I've been putting them out on the first Friday of every month for like a couple of years now. Um, however, the back end of season six of Riverdale is about to start. And uh, the episodes are coming out on Sunday, which means that the podcast episodes for those are going to be coming out on Friday. So if um, a Riverdale episode coincides with the Friday that a Lost episode is going to come out, lucky you guys, I'm going to put it out on Thursday. We are so lucky to have you, Robin. (laughs) I know. So if you're um, surprised by that, don't be. Sometimes you're lucky. There you go. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um. There are a couple of fun facts that I grabbed off Lostpedia about this episode. First of all, we have not seen Locke for three episodes. Um, so this is the first time we're seeing him since Left Behind. Um, and he shows up with this absolute banger of an episode. He sure does. It's weird. I like, I kind of forgot, like, about the mm-hmm. fact that Locke was just gone. He just took yeah. off with the others. That was all the way back when, with, um, whatchamacallit, that episode with uh, Julia and Kate. Mm-hmm. Left yeah. behind, yeah. Behind. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, time isn't real. Yeah, it's like uh, we've been mentioning in the last couple episodes that like we have not seen Rose and Bernard for like 35 years. Um, But like, oh my God, I miss them. You kind of don't notice because there are so many episodes or there are so many like characters in the ensemble. So it's like when Locke is gone, even though he's one of the main characters, I have so many other main characters that I'm focusing on that I kind of don't notice. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. This is also the fourth episode to have all events occur on the island. Um, It happens happens in the other 48 days maternity leave and three minutes this is the fourth time that happens i love that i love like off-island flashbacks but i also super Mm -hmm. love like getting time back on the island that Mm -hmm. we didn't see yeah one of the what this is the fun fact about this episode that absolutely blew my mind this is one of only two episodes of lost not to introduce any new characters that's crazy and the other one is in season five so this is the first episode of the entire series to not introduce any new characters and that's because we are usually on um going on flashbacks and we're meeting new characters in those other that is absolutely insane to me i know it blew my mind when i read that that makes so much sense when you like put it into frame like that because before i was like but how did they introduce a new character every single episode like that is yeah that is crazy yeah it's like some random person in a somebody's flashback is always new yeah even if it's just like a nurse that comes in dang that casting director must have had a Heck of a time. Certainly, yeah. Um, and then the last one that I picked out was, this episode bears some structural similarities to Three Minutes, which was at the end, like around this oh. time at the end of season two. Um, and it's the Michael episode to remind everyone. Both episodes begin with a character burning a piece of paper, the contents of which are revealed later on. Both episodes have flashbacks showing what a missing character has been doing with the others for a large chunk of time. And both episodes came pretty late in the season. So that's pretty cool. That this is like sort of the three minutes of, of the season. That's kind of interesting. Like, I felt like as I was watching it, I was like, this feels all vaguely familiar. Like, not mm. the content, obviously. I have seen the I've seen the show. N- n- 
<laughs> not many times, three times. Yeah. But while I was watching, I was like, this structure feels so familiar. And when you said mm -hmm. that thing about three minutes, I was like, oh my God, it's so much like three minutes. Yeah. So as always, we split this episode into three uh, storylines. Um, and the first one is going to be the B storyline, which is the beach storyline. And Casey did the summary for that. Yes, I did. It's nighttime on the beach and my skate shipper heart is thriving as Kate sleeps in Sawyer's tent. The mood is quickly disintegrated though as Kate gets up and says she wants to sleep in her own tent alone. Sawyer takes the opportunity to get up and take a leak and passes a super sus looking Hurley and Jin who unbeknownst to Sawyer are hiding Naomi. Sawyer does his business but is interrupted by Locke mysteriously appearing out of the jungle. The next morning Charlie is hoarding a bunch of food in a super not at all casual way as he dodges questions from Jack so as not to to let the secret about Naomi slip. Desmond does not trust Jack at all since coming back from his time with the others, especially now that he has gotten so close to Juliet. They know they need somebody they can trust to help them with Naomi, so they turn to Saeed. Good call. Yeah. Saeed meets Naomi and asks her questions about how she got to the island and why she's there. She says she was hired by Penny Widmore as part of a search and recovery team after the wreckage of Flight 815 was found off the coast of Bali? What? Saeed doesn't totally believe her, but she does give him her radio. He works on it and tries to get a signal when Kate comes up and asks what he's doing. Yikes. In the final scenes at camp, Kate goes to Jack to tell him about Naomi and tells him that no one told him about her because they don't trust him anymore since he's so close to Juliet. He looks to Juliet, who says they should tell Kate something that they've been hiding, but Jack says no. Interesting. And we get no further information about it. Yeah. That's it. I love that this, like, like, we, like I said last episode, that like, it's crazy that this is the B storyline. And so it's funny to me that this is also the B storyline, like multiple episodes in a row. Yeah. Like, did we, we literally have a person from off the island who just crashed here. Mm hmm. Honestly, and it's kind of crazy. And she says like absolutely insane stuff. If you're like on the beach, you're like, but I, it is, it's ridiculous, honestly, because you're like, I would like to get back to this. Like we found your entire plane. What? On the bottom of the ocean. And you're like, but I, but I exist. I am here. And all the bodies. Yeah, and all the bodies. Yeah. We found mm -hmm. your entire plane and all the bodies. What? Who went in and counted? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a roll call. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Kate is with Sawyer for the night, but she can't sleep. But they do love to snug. And I love that Sawyer is the little spoon. And that kind of feels like foreshadowing for something else. Oh my god. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Simply cannot speak on it now. But it's like we kind of had uh, an inkling that Sawyer was the little spoon all the way back at this uh, back in season three. It makes perfect sense to me. Man just wants to be cuddled. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, being cuddled is very nice. So like, yeah. like who wouldn't want to be the little spoon? Why would you want to be the big spoon? If you're the big spoon yeah. and you enjoy it, I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> so she gets up because she says that she can't sleep when she's not in her own tent. And I'm like, girl, this is not your memory foam. It's floor. It's, it's, it's like, it's beach. It's, it's sand. it's sand. Either way, it's sand, you know? It is sand there and it will be sand <laughs> back at your tent. Yeah. She's like, well, no, the sand's different there. She's like, I have carefully curated that sand over several months. Okay, honestly, honestly, I kind of get it. Because when I'm at the beach, I shift the sand in a way that like contours mm. my body, you know? I also do this. When I'm lying on my back, sometimes like there's like a bump of sand. So I smooth it out, you know? Mm, right. And you need a bump and you need to like dig a little hole for your booty. Yep. Yeah. Or the boobies. I just, I feel like clearly Sawyer would totally be down to be like, you want to carve out a, par a, pe a part of my tent for your booty? That's fine. Let's do it. You know, I feel like he'd be like, that's great. Let's 
a, you know what, Mikasa? What is it? A Sukasa? Mikasa S Sukasa. Yeah, I feel like he'd he'd do that. Yeah. He super would, and he'd have a great time yeah. doing it. On Lostpedia, it was pointed out that Kate leaving Sawyer's bed in the middle of the night is similar to what Locke said when he was leaving Helen in the middle of the night. And this is a Locke episode. Oh. So. Oh. so Sawyer's like, oh, okay, you want to sleep in your room? That's fine. I'll come with you. Very cute. But he's just like, okay, let's go. <laughs> and she's like, uh, no, like nothing personal, but no. And like he could take it bad, but it says he's just like, okay, get out then. <laughs> it, it, it's cute. Yeah. It is really cute. I'm like, I'm very happy that he responded so positively to that. She's like, mm-hmm. I want to set a boundary. And he's like, okay. That's fine. I'll back off. He took it well. Yeah. So then he's just like, well, do you want me to walk you home? Romance. Absolutely iconic. He's just like, he's pulling out bangers. He's just like, hey, you want me to make you a mixtape? I was going to say it completely reminded me of the want me me to make you a mixtape scene. I'm sorry. This is romance. He's literally like, okay, I'm on this island. Let me think of all of the ways that I have seen in movies that tells people that you care about them. Yep. Let me be cute and soft and be nice to you. And like, if you don't want that, I'll be back away. But if you do want that, I'm totally down. It's so adorable. And so she's like, well, it's okay. Okay, I can walk five tenths away. And he's like, okay, well, I will still walk you home if you want. Like, I'm going out anyway. I have to pee. And honestly, I think that he's right to be worried, like, subconsciously, because we learn that the others are coming to, like, take a bunch of women in the night. That is so creepy. <laughs> So uh, the fact that he like is maybe subconsciously being like, I will walk you home Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is not unwarranted. Uh, So she tells him that he's being romantic, which is uh, true. And then they kiss and it's adorable. It really is. I, yeah, my skate rights. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So he goes out and he sees Jin and Hurley being suspicious in the middle of the night. And he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like, no, you (laughs) No, you. What are you doing? (laughs) And he's like, I'm going to pee. I'm doing something completely innocent. What are you doing? And they're like, crap. Uh, you are doing something innocent. We, we are also going to do that. Same. We are also doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of. And Jin's just standing there with his hands in his pockets like, uh, mm-hmm. My favorite, one of my favorite bits about this show is Hurley's just, like, absolute inability to, like, lie. Like, mm-hmm. last episode where he was like, I wouldn't tell you. Absolutely not. I wasn't going to tell you about yeah. stuff. Like, it's just, it's so great. It's... <laughs> It's so iconic. It's really one of the defining traits of Hurley. My favorite thing about this is that um, Sawyer is like, you guys are going pee together and like can completely like doesn't necessarily believe that that is what they're doing, but just accepts it, you know, and it's like, I'm too tired to wonder about what you are actually doing. So, uh, sure. And I'm just going to go. Like, I will not get involved. It's a really not my, not my circus, not my monkey situation. He's like, (laughs) no. He's like, "Mm, I do really need to pee. So I'm actually going to go do that. Mm -hmm. I'm good. You guys tell me in the morning. Like, I'll be, maybe in the morning, I'll be curious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But not now. So then he goes pee and then Locke is like surprising him. And that's another storyline. So in the morning, Charlie's taking food from the kitchen. And it seems like the jelly has gone bad. But he doesn't put it back. He sure doesn't. He takes it with him. Uh, And I guess if there's like no fridge and it's just like in the heat all the time, I would believe that it has gone bad warm jelly how long has it been sitting there if it's not open then you can like keep it for a lot longer than if it is open so yeah once it's open it's like oops sorry yeah and the fact that he fully opens it to smell it (laughs) yeah it's definitely open not great yeah so um jack comes up and is asking what like desmond and charlie and co were all doing out there and he's like oh you know exploring camping bonding um 
And he says, like, male bonding. And I thought that was really funny after Yoonjin having just said in the Lost on Location for last episode that there's, like, not enough female bonding and there's too much male bonding. Not necessarily too much, but there's a lot of male bonding and not enough female bonding. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was funny that Charlie used the word male bonding Mm -hmm. in in this episode. So then Jack says that he wants to come next time. Oh, my God. That is very sweet. Okay. That's very cute, I thought. I thought it was sweet, but I also thought in the back of my head, Jack, who would want to go camping with you? (laughs) Why would anyone want to do that? I'm sorry. That is so... I feel bad for saying I thought that too. That is so disrespectful. But to be honest, at this stage, I don't really care. It's like, also like, would he... I I do have a question about like, would he leave Juliet alone? Because like, my question Mm. is like, he seems so like protective of her (laughs) under my protection. Right, he's like bringing her along and they're like, oh, she can't come. And he's like, any camping you do in front of me can be done in front of her. (laughs) (laughs) Any marshmallow roasting that you do in front of me can be done in front of her. God, it's so true. I feel bad about making fun of Jack, but also like, it's like, you know what? Those people, like those fictional characters that you're like, I can make fun of this fictional character. It's okay. They don't actually have real feelings. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I will say that Jack will earn my respect, but not at this moment. So I'm gonna make fun of him, like, as long as I can. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, like I've said, it's always important to remember that, um, like, he has been written purposefully to be frustrating as well. Like, they they didn't set out, maybe they did sometimes, but they didn't set out to make him, like, a perfect hero that everyone's supposed to idolize. Yes. That's what I love most about Jack, is how obviously imperfect he is and how not even it's not even what i love most about jack it's what i love most about how jack was written was like that the Mm -hmm. writers were so aware you are not meant to like entirely love this person or any of these people you're not meant to entirely love or hate any of them yeah and honestly i think it would have been like really boring if he was that kind of character yes because those shows are so boring those shows where you have a main character who is just just a procedural again yeah who is just like oh you're the hero oh, you have a problem in front of you? I wonder if you'll solve it. Oh, look, you solved it. I wonder what will happen next week. Oh, you have another problem? You solved it again. (laughs) Who could have seen that coming? You did it. You're perfect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway. But I thought it was really cute that Jack was like, oh, hey, maybe next time I could come. Because it's like, but also Charlie, who does a very good lie and is like, yeah, for sure you can come next time. Like he he does it very convincingly. But then they turn around and it's just like, we don't trust Jack. (laughs) Jack is not invited. But also like, hey, if you had come on this camping trip, we could have really used you. We had a medical emergency. <laughs> I mean, but like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Desmond went over to him and he's like, I need medical stuff, but you're not allowed to come. Like, yeah, that's true. Oh, true. Like Jack wasn't even like, um, can I come? <laughs> what would he have done? Desmond would have been like, that's not part of my fantasy. That was not in my vision. You can't so, come. You you don't pass the vibe check. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, You're not part no. of my vision board. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Jack would be like, okay. And Charlie's like, oh, sure, next time. But like, who knows? He doesn't know what his fate is. He could be dead before next time they go. That's rude. Yeah. That's very sad. So <laughs> Charlie takes the food to the tent and Charlie's like, oh, we should probably tell Jack. And Hurley's like, yeah, Jack should like check to make sure that Mikhail didn't just like completely mess everything up. And Desmond's like, well, can we trust Jack? Because he was with them for like 10 days and nothing happened. And now he has like Juliet and he's like obsessed with her or whatever. And I thought that was so interesting because Sun last episode had just said the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's like they hadn't even talked to each other. And all of these seeds of doubt are forming in like other members of the camp 
camp separately. Yeah, and it's so valid. It's so valid. First, Jack was off with these others for an extended period of time. He comes back with an other? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. That's <laughs> super sus. Yeah, And like, sure. it's not just like some random person that was like in the cages or whatever it's juliet's who like sawyer and kate know like all of these people they're like oh that was the lady who like came and gave us food or like that was the lady who was like enforcing and making sure that we were (laughs) doing the slave labor that they wanted us to do like it's not just any random person like yeah a pretty high ranking official (laughs) right like if it was like if they came back with carl whatever right exactly for sure it's this little kid Maybe some people would have been suspicious, but like totally different than the person who was literally like had the person who had a gun to Sawyer's head. For sure. I think that's such a good point. If they had come back with Carl or Alex, they could have brought them back and been like, we have actively seen these people try to work against the others and uh, like go up against the the, like upbringing that they have had. But Juliet has been complicit, not necessarily because she wanted to, but but she has. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, as a Juliet stan, I'm over here just being like, oh my god, she's fine, she's doing her best, just let her be. (laughs) But as, like, as someone in the camp, like, some rando, if I was Steve or Scott, if Scott was still alive, you know, if I was one of them, I would have been like, Mm -hmm. we're just letting this lady in here? Yeah, for sure. And, like, what if you were someone other than Steve? Who knows how you would feel? We only really know how Steve would feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good times. I would like to know what Neil thinks. Me too. Can't wait for that guy to show up. (laughs) Um, One of my faves for sure. Um, So they're like, oh, well, Juliet had your friends in cages literally two weeks ago. Um, Like showing her to Jack would not be keeping her safe. And basically we're going like back and forth between these two alternating shots of Desmond of like him looking at Charlie versus him looking at Hurley. But like it's so well edited that you can't tell that they're literally just like flipping in between two shots. It's so good. And so he's like, do we trust Jack? And like, no one says anything. <laughs> like even Hurley, when Hurley doesn't trust you, you've done wrong. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. So they're like, we need to find somebody that we can trust. So the person that they decide they can trust is, of course, Saeed, who is digging a hole in the jungle. Mm-hmm. What is the hole? Who knows? My guess is it's probably a poop hole, to be honest. I was going to say it's probably a toilet. I yeah. also confer. Yes. Yeah, it is a yeah, toilet because yeah. it's like yeah. out in the jungle. Last time when I was on, we were also discussing what is Saeed digging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what we decided then, but this one is definitely a bathroom. I think we also said poop hole, but I think that <laughs> it was like a bad idea because um, it was like in the middle of the beach or something. We're oh, like, yeah. That's a bad poop hole. <laughs> it was right beside the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, they just... They needed to give him something to do with his hands. I think that this one's a poop hole for sure, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was so sweet that Hurley comes up and is like, hi, Saeed. And Saeed greets him so friendly. Like, he's like, oh, hi, Hurley. Like, it's so nice. It's nice to see Saeed have, like, a normal nice time because he's always so intense. So it's nice to see him just kind of be like, oh, hey, I'm just hanging out. Yeah. Hurley's like, I'm about to make your life complicated again. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't seem upset about it. Like He's like, oh, come on. It's true. He's like, oh, come on. I was just handcuffed to a set of swings. (laughs) So Hurley's like, hey, can you keep a secret? Because I certainly (laughs) can't. Please help me. And Saeed's like, I can't. He's like, please, I need to pass this on to someone else. Yeah. To be fair, though, he's not the one that ruined the secret. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so frustrated. Same. Yeah. So the person they go to is Saeed over Jack. And they're like, we need someone we can trust. And it's going to be Saeed. 
genius. Yes, this is the exact right person to do. Absolutely iconic. Once again, imagine if Saeed was the leader. Yeah. The thing that annoys me is that Saeed trusts Kate and then Kate is untrustworthy. Yeah. I think, I don't think he trusted Kate. I think that he was like- He was backed up into a corner. Yeah. Like if he didn't tell Kate, then Kate knows something is going on and Kate's going to eventually find out. So you Mm -hmm. like rolled the dice of like trying to convince her not to tell Jack in Mm, the moment. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think that Saeed knew that Kate was like, like he never would have gone to Kate on his own. Yeah. So he has already sort of heard what happened. Like off screen, they told him what was going on, which is genius writing because there are many other shows that would just have that whole conversation occur again. Yep, fully. So he's like, oh, you haven't told Jack? Good, I'm glad. So this is like another side of the camp that's a that's not trusting Jack separately from everybody else. So then Desmond smiles at him when he comes in and I have like two different headcanons and I can't decide which one I like. It's either that Desmond, Charlie, and Hurley and Jin all decided upon Saeed and approved on Saeed when they were a bit brainstorming who to tell. And then my other headcanon is that Desmond just let them pick. And then when Saeed came in, he was like, oh yes, great choice. Yeah, I think it's that one. And he was like, oh, thank God. That's what I hope. I think that's cute. Yeah, yeah. I like I like that second version. It's very nice. Yeah. Desmond's like just surprised and delighted. Yeah. Yeah, you can rewatch it with that lens and it's like really cute that he's like, Oh man, I hope they don't pick Kate and then Saeed walks in and he's like, Oh, oh. yes, exactly. And I like the idea that like Saeed is just a comforting presence mm-hmm. to anyone in the camp. Like you have a crisis going on, call Saeed. Because he always seems to know what to do. Yeah. Nice. So Saeed introduces himself and he's like, I heard that your helicopter crashed here. And she's like, no, it crashed in the water. Get your fact right. <laughs> and her name is Naomi Dorrit, which is a reference to Little Dorrit. Amy Dorrit is the name of the protagonist of this novel by Charles Dickens, published originally between 1855 and 1857. It is a work of satire on the shortcomings of the society, government, and corrupt patent offices of the period. So it is a, oh. another Charles Dickens reference. Um, and it is the fourth reference to Dickens in the series. And the others are Our Mutual Friend, which is Desmond's book, A Tale of Two Cities, which was the name of uh, 301, and Oliver Twist, which Sawyer called Charlie, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> But that's the fourth reference to Dickens. Dang. So he's asking, where did you take off from? And she says, from her freighter, uh, 80 nautical miles west. So we have an eight in there, obviously. Once again, just wanted to say how excited I am for the freighter to show up. I really love season four. I like cannot for the life of me decide if I like that season or the next season better because of that. I know it's really between like I think that I really like season three because I think that it has a lot of really strong standalone episodes Mm -hmm. but I think that season five has the strongest full arc as a season. Yeah. If I could take like this back half of season three and be like Mm -hmm. this is its own season that would be my favorite season. Right. That is so fair. That's a great point. So she says that she was on a search and recovery team so you want to uh, note that that is a search and recovery and not search and rescue. So they were just trying to find stuff. They weren't actually trying to save anybody. Yikes. Not great. So he's like, oh, and I also heard that the plane was found, just like part of it. And she's like, no, dude, like the whole thing off the coast of Bali in a trench four miles deep. They sent down cameras. All the bodies were there. And and so he's like, not my body. And she's like, clearly. (laughs) This is so crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, I have literally... I have no idea what I would be thinking if I was hearing this information. For sure. 
Yeah, it's like even you know who what I would be thinking exactly what Hurley says like at the end of Catch Twenty Two. It's just like uh, what? Yeah, fully. And like this is not the first time that we've heard that like the island is purgatory or the island is mm-hmm. like doesn't isn't real. Like none of this is real. So this is like this triggers major conspiracy theory brain. Like it feels like a confirmation of like they are all dead or something like mm-hmm. that. Like it feels real weird. Yeah, but like I I can imagine like sitting in that situation they're like well i'm definitely not dreaming mm-hmm. especially for hurley like that must be really stressful for him personally yeah that has to be so stressful for hurley oh my god who already has so many problems like with doubting his reality you you hear that information right true oh my god that'd be so upsetting right and he's already seen dave here on this island he's like uh <laughs> oh crap not again that's horrifying like i i really think i would just mentally break if i heard that yeah just be like what what do you mean i would just maybe like personally decide that naomi is a collective hallucination it's like she's not right. real <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm not real. You're not real. Yeah, I, this is like one of those plot twists that like reminds me, like I would just wish I could watch it for the first time again and be like, what? And remember how I was feeling in that moment, which is why like one of life's great joys is like getting to experience it for the first time with other people. Oh, fully. Like this was such a turn, like such a turn for the series, I think. Like Mm -hmm. it is halfway through the series, like season three of six, but also story wise like this is the first time Mm. we're really investigating like how other people heard and are responding to the crash of 815 like right yeah and that's a huge turning point for the characters and for the arcs of people so Said is like so if you weren't looking for us because you think that we're all dead who are you looking for my name's Said Jarrah I understand your helicopter crashed onto the island actually it crashed in the water What's your name? Naomi. Naomi Dorrit. Naomi. From where exactly did you take off? A ship. Freighter. About 80 nautical miles west of here. A part of a search and recovery team. You told my friends the wreckage of Flight 815 was discovered. Did you mean the partial wreckage? No. They found the entire plane off the coast of Bali, in an ocean trench four miles deep. They sent down cameras in these little robots to survey the wreck. The bodies were all there. Well, obviously we're not dead. Obviously. So if you weren't looking for us, then who were you looking for? Him. We were hired by Penny. She's like, I don't even freaking know why. She gave us coordinates and we've been searching ever since. And he's like, oh, so she gave you the coordinates of the island? And she's like, dude, I thought we were going to the middle of the ocean. I thought this Penelope girl was crazy. <laughs> like, I thought, listen, if you're going to give me money to search the middle of the ocean, okay. She's valid for that. <laughs> but then three days ago, I was flying back to my ship and I saw the island. So I was like, okay, maybe she's not so crazy. So I could tell that my helicopter was going down. So I grabbed my parachute and I bailed. On Lostpedia, it said pilots do not normally bail out of helicopters. Helicopters normally are able to auto rotate and are controllable even without power. Oh. However, that is not going to be great for next season. Like next season has so many like helicopter problems that that would just like completely ruin everything. So narratively, these helicopters you have to bail yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I am going to search that up later and like try to figure out that physics because like that seems yeah. very interesting to me. Like how, right. how does that work? Okay. I'm d- I just got very excited. 
Yeah, I'm definitely like, interested. So Saeed is like, did you actually see her helicopter? And they're like, no, we saw a red light that fell into the ocean, technically. And so she's like, do you think I'm lying? And Saeed, historically, can always tell when someone's lying. And he has said that. And he has been pretty good at it in the past. So good. Yeah. And so he's like, and I bet you have no way to communicate with your freighter, huh? Like, likely story, you're just here trying to trick us. And she's like, actually, I do, you asshole. <laughs> like boom by the way when we when i get all of you guys rescued you're staying here (laughs) (laughs) it's like saeed i'm not rescuing you sorry yeah and uh saeed like mikhail would be able to use this satellite phone because they're both like communications officers Mm -hmm. nice it was important to get that this to one of them and saeed was obviously the preferable one yeah So Saeed is trying to fix the radio and he's with Hurley again. And I really love this scene because it completely invokes and takes me back immediately to pilot part two. The first time that they met and spoke to each other, Saeed was trying to fix like the radio or the walkie or the transceiver. And Hurley was sitting there with him in basically the exact same positions. Oh, it so is the same. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Except now they are several months wiser. I was actually trying to remember that scene earlier. I'm like, who... Was Saeed explaining how radios work to last time? Yeah, it was Hurley. It's nice that it's Hurley. Yeah. So he says it's like a radio, but it's really sophisticated. And I was like, dude, that's like less than a Blackberry. Like looking looking back on it, I'm like, that's sophisticated? Okay. Like, okay. Like I was looking at my phone and I'm like, oof. <laughs> my phone can do more than that radio. I was like, wait till this guy sees the iPad. So he's like, okay, well, hopefully I can get it to work and... Hurley's like, what about the thing that we're all dead? And Saeed's like, I have other things to worry about right now. I don't want to deal with that right now. So the channel is not found. They can't find any channels that work. They're like interference. And we'll obviously talk about that later. It said in on Lostpedia, it said when the satellite phone searches for a channel, it shows its point of origin as being on the west coast of North America. I don't know what that means for the canon, but that's what it said. Hmm, interesting. That's not where they're filming either. I'm like, wait, right. on, why? <laughs> I don't even know. So Kate shows up and they're fully trying to lie because she's obviously like with Jack. And she's like, oh, where did you get that? Because they can't be like, it's not a radio. It's a, you know, like they can't, there's nothing else they can possibly say. So they have to be like, yes, it is a radio. Where did you get it? Hurley's like, once again, cannot lie and goes, we found it in some luggage, which is where we find a lot of things. And she's like, we've been here for three months and you just found a radio in the luggage. Sure. They're like, yeah, they should have doubled down. They really should (laughs) have. So Saeed is like, all right, listen, I'll explain, but don't freaking tell anybody. And Kate's like, what the heck? I was kept out of the loop all last season. And I'm like, this is why no one told you because you're blabbing. (laughs) You blabbed to Jack. You're a heckin' rat. With your big mouth. I mean, Jack was the one who was keeping the secret last time, but yeah. She cannot learn any information without telling Jack. Yeah. Unfortunately. And if they don't want to tell Jack, they don't tell Kate. Yeah. Which sucks. Exactly. It sucks that, she was, uh, that she's been written that way at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I thought she was supposed to be like, it, it really feels like they're trying to write Juliet as like, like Kate was supposed to be like the likable one, like the girl, mm-hmm. the main girl. And now it's Juliet, which is like fine. But it just sucks that we have deteriorated Kate's character in the process. Yeah, for sure. If that makes sense. For sure. I feel like she kind of like, at this point of the show, she just kind of needs to find her way separate from a lot of different things. And Mm. I do think she finds her way a little like later on. But like at this point, it's just kind of like. Yeah. 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 Especially at the back end of this season, she seems very lost. 
mm-hmm. after coming back from the others, I think she has very much lost her way. And she's feeling very torn, like, between the whole Sawyer and Jack thing, but also just, like, I think she has a lot of internal stuff that she's that she isn't working through that she should be working through. Yeah. And I think that might be a little bit why she, like, left Sawyer's tent earlier, because, like, yeah. she didn't really want to deal with like the emotional like boundary of like sleeping over at someone's house so you just kind of like well I've already passed one of these boundaries so I'll continue to like be in that area but like she's making a hard line at like sleeping over yeah for sure I mean the one thing we know about her is that she has a major commitment problem she runs away from everything and I think now like at least up until this point and being released from the others she's feeling a little sense of security that she hasn't felt in a long time and Mm -hmm. even just a few days of that is too much for her she's like okay but like I I can't stay like this I need to I need to run and that's what she does. So Juliet and Jack are eating together as per usual, and they're talking about how they're really missing the cheeseburgers that we used to eat back in Dharmaville. And they're like, ha ha, so true. Ha ha. Oh, and Kate shows up like as they're laughing together and it's very awkward. And Saeed was like, hey, Kate, keep this to yourself. And Kate immediately goes to tell Jack. Immediately. Like immediately. And I'm like, Kate, this is so annoying. This is annoying behavior from you. It is. Like, do you not just, do you not even care where your boyfriend is today? (laughs) (laughs) He's off doing something else and you don't care? Last time you saw him when when he was going to go to the bathroom and then he never came back? Like, hello? Why are you not more concerned about where the heck Sawyer is? Yeah. Man fully disappeared in the middle of the night. Wait, hold on. No one cares where Sawyer is. Who? Wait, hold on a minute. No, no one asks. No one's paying attention to where he is. That is a little concerning that they're not, they don't have like any sort of buddy system where it's like someone goes off and then they just don't care. Incredibly concerning. Yeah, they're just, they assume that he's just off trying to like kill a boar again or something like a boar he's getting revenge oh, on. Jeepers. Maybe. Maybe. So she's like, um, Jack, I'd like to speak with you in private. And I just want to say, especially after the crap that Kate is pulling right now, Juliet is so likable in this scene. I know. Juliet is so likable in this scene. And also, I just have to say that my favorite gif ever of Liz Mitchell is this scene and the moment where she looks up at Kate and her blue eyes are just shining (laughs) and radiating. It is the most beautiful thing ever um yeah i i just had to uh, throw that in there i, I once thought to myself that i could make a bingo card of this podcast mm-hmm. and like some of the bits were like i had to like in my brain i never actually made this but like <laughs> i was thinking oh like i have to get rid of some because britney's not there and i was like what could be something really dependable that Casey could do every episode. I'm like, well, she's <laughs> going to compliment Julia every single episode. So I just, don't- oh my god! <laughs> Not <laughs> only, but I will talk about Juliet's eyes specifically. Mm-hmm. I could talk about Liz Mitchell's blue, blue, beautiful eyes for ages. Thank you. I would be deeply interested in this bingo card if you ever get around to it. <laughs> I, like, I, maybe. I, I have also in my brain, I'm like, okay, so Casey's going to compliment Liz Mitchell or Juliet. And then also Robin will inexplicit- inexplicably, I don't know how to say that word, mm-hmm. but Robin will bring up Boone at just <laughs> random times. I'm like, how will Robin bring up Boone? in the weirdest way possible this episode she'll do it though okay that's really weird because i don't have him anywhere in my notes but i almost brought him up before when you were talking about scott oh my god oh my god <laughs> yes! this, don't 
understand. Like, I genuinely am slightly curious to know how your brain works. Like, how? Like, I don't know. <laughs> she just does it. She just does it. You were talking about Shannon before. It could be anything. I like, and it's like, it's like random stuff. Like, I remember one time, like, um, you were talking about Jack and like piano music, and then you brought up Boot for some reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> well. If I can try and, like, make it make sense, he played piano in the episode that Boone died in. So I feel like that's where my brain went. If that oh, I was going to say, when when did Boone play piano? <laughs> Imagine! He probably did, though. He's that guy. So, yeah, that genuinely makes me happy when you yeah. bring up Boone every once in a while. Because I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> All right, I'll make sure I do it. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever make this bingo card, please, please let us know. Okay. <laughs> I'll post it in the Discord. <laughs> Do it. Yes. On Twitter. Yeah. So Juliet is like totally fine to just like leave them alone to have their talk in private. Uh, Juliet is completely the most likable character in this scene because both Jack and Kate are super annoying. Like Juliet, I also think is trying to get Kate to like her because she's like trying to get a sample from her or whatever she said last episode. Mm -hmm. But Jack is like, no, say it in front of Juliet because we trust her. And Kate's like, no, I don't want to. And Juliet's like, it's fine. I will just go. Like, I completely understand. It's okay. And Jack's like, no, you stay. Stop forcing these women into awkward conversations, please. Let them do what they want. Yeah, it, it's no good. I need to talk to you. Okay. In private. No problem. Anything you want to say to me, you can say in front of her. Not this. It's okay. No, 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 no. You can stay. Yeah, you know what? You should stay. Seems only fair considering that she's the reason no one wants to tell you that there's a woman in Hurley's tent who parachuted onto the island yesterday. What? A woman. She jumped from her chopper before it crashed. She says that the boat that she took off from is about 80 miles off the coast, and that if she can find a way to contact it, we'll all be rescued. Why didn't anyone tell me this? Nobody told you. Because they don't trust you. Why didn't anyone tell me that before? Because no one trusts you, clearly. Nobody likes you anymore, guy. I'm just like, Kate, you're fully breaking Saeed's trust right now. Is it worth it? Like... If I were Kate, I would pull the power move of being like, I want to talk to you in private. And he's like, no, I'd be like, okay, and walk away. This is this is what I wonder about this. Because like, I find a lot of the time when like Jack's in a conversation, people will just back down. They're like, I yeah. can't deal with this. You're too bullheaded. I will just back down because it's a waste mm -hmm. of my time Yeah, to like just... I'll just let you have your way. It's real yeah. weird. Like, and it's not just Kate. Yeah. And Jack is so oblivious to it too. He's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so he's like, oh, how is she going to contact the boat? And she's like, seriously, did you hear what I just said? None of your friends trust you. And that's what you're asking me. And he's like, just tell me how. And she's like, she's got like a radio thing that Saeed's trying to fix. And Juliet's like, we should tell her. And Kate's like, what? Now you guys have secrets? More secrets that you're hiding? <laughs> what? And Jack's like, no, I don't want to. Wow, so you just told him a secret, and he just refused to tell you one to your face. Mm -hmm. Yikes. I would never trust Jack again. He would be in my bad books forever. He would have to try really hard to redeem himself in my eyes. I'd be like, no, you don't trust me. I don't trust you. Leave me alone. Yeah, fully. Fully. Yeah. And Juliet's just sitting there like, I am just being likable, <laughs> and I would yeah. like to tell Kate. <laughs> I am uncomfortable. But um, I guess I need permission. Yeah, she's just sitting there like, anyway, bye? I don't know. Um, Jack like leaves and doesn't get to finish his cheeseburger adjacent meat. 
various meat, mm-hmm. randomized Yum. meat that he got. Probably a boar. Yeah, probably. Um, is there anything else that you guys had about that storyline before we move on? Mm. I have a question. You know, like, how everyone's, like, fingernails are just, like, whatever? I feel like Saeed's fingernails are always super long. Like, it just... Mm -hmm. I completely agree, yes. I don't know why this always is, like, in my head, but I'm like, why is his fingernails longer than everyone else's? Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. they have some way to clip their fingernails because everyone else's nails are short, but, like, why why so long? I do not know that I've ever looked at his fingernails. I don't know. Fingernails. I have definitely noticed this before. If you go back to, like, halfway through the episode, he's, like, holding the phone... Um, the like satellite radio phone and he's like talking to Hurley and describing stuff and they're just just very long I find just anytime there's a scene where like Saeed's like holding something I'm like why are your fingernails so long I don't know why I'm fixated on this I love that you are (laughs) yeah no I'm totally with you I've definitely noticed this before and um I'm just like he just has all of this like keratin (laughs) i guess beautiful hair beautiful nails (laughs) yeah like he's constantly like punching people and digging holes and he's just like and yet my nails are intact yeah maybe it's like a a a necessity for him yeah yeah i don't know maybe he's like i can't get a manicure i have to take care of it myself (laughs) are we good to move on yes i think so So now in a different form than we usually do, because this episode is in a different form than usual, we are going to be doing the flashbacks before we do what happens presently on the island. So I did the summary for that. Eight days ago, Locke sees his father in the magic box that Ben was talking about. He's so feral that Friendly has to taser him when he bites Locke's hand. Ben invites Locke to move in with them and he agrees. Three days ago, they're all set up in tents in the valley. Locke helps Cindy with her tent and is summoned to go see Ben. Ben tells Locke that Juliet's gathering info for them. Also, you need to kill your father so you can finally be free. It's like a hazing ritual to be one of the others, basically. That night, Ben wakes Locke up and takes him to his father. Locke is unable to kill him and gets berated by his father and Ben in front of everyone. Two days ago, Richard approaches Locke privately and tells him that Ben was trying to humiliate him so no one would take him seriously. Everyone was excited to hear about how special he is and Ben is trying to combat that. Richard knows that Locke won't kill his father, but he does need to go, so he gives him info on Sawyer. Yesterday, Locke wakes up to find everyone packing up to leave. Ben says they're moving on, but Locke can't come. They're leaving him with his dad, and he can catch up, but only if his dad is dead. Okay, Ben. (laughs) Sure, buddy. So we're starting eight days ago, which obviously is one of the numbers. We are back in the basement that we left him in at the end of Man from Tallahassee, and he has, like, this gag over his mouth, right? And immediately my brain was like, oh my God, that goes over your nose, Anthony Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) You're a bad person. (laughs) Oh my God. Classic you, dude. Yeah. (laughs) So we have Ben and Richard in there and also now also Friendly is here. And Locke's like, hey, um, what? (laughs) Why Why is this happening? And Ben's like, I don't know. You're the one who brought him here. And he's like, no, I didn't. What? Like, I didn't though. He's like, well, don't get too close to him. Tom has like a taser just in case because clearly they've had issues with him before. And they keep being like, so Locke, why did you bring him here? And Locke's like, I didn't. I don't, I don't know. Should I ask him how he got here? So he like goes and takes off the gag and he fully bites him. Nah. <laughs> Yikes. And I love this because this is why Locke's hand was bandaged at the beginning of Left Behind. Oh my like, god. They really had that oh. foresight three episodes in the in the past for his hand to be like inexplicably bandaged at the uh at the beginning of Left Behind. Oh my god. Honestly, I I did not think of that. That's really no. cool. Yeah. So friendly tasers Cooper because um he's like, you know, attacking people. 
And Cooper basically says that he knows where they are, which is like a creepy thing to say. And I think here's one note that I have for the director. I think that he, you know, Locke looks down at his bloody hand and I'm like, why isn't there blood in Anthony Cooper's teeth? Okay, Mm. true. I think that really would have sold like the insanity of it. Yeah, he fully broke skin. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like they would be bloody. That's just a note I have. So they close the door on him and Locke's still like, hey, what just happened? And they're like, ah, never mind. Anyway, we're leaving. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's like, let me just emotionally like mess you up and then move on. He's like, I'm taking you on a on a real journey here. So many mixed signals coming from Ben. So he's like, okay, where are you going? And he's like, eh, somewhere else. Uh, do you want to come? <laughs> and he also says that it's a it's like an old place. So it's a place that we've been before. And like, where is is this old place? I believe is not the valley that they end up in, but the like where they start to head to after that. Yeah. Is is what I think. And mm-hmm. we can talk about that in the spoiler section. Yeah. So Locke like thinks about it for a second and then is like, mm, yeah, I'm another now. So like, sure, let's do it. And Ben's like, oh, great. Okay, well, go say goodbye to Kate. Um, And then we cut to the beginning of Left Behind, obviously. And we also cut to seeing Kate in the other storyline. So it's a really good transition there. Ooh, yeah. Nice. So we skip five days into the future and they're setting up their tents in a valley and so since it's been five days and then and they like leave yesterday, quote. So they were only in that valley for two days, as far as I understand. So it seems to me like they have done this like set up a whole nother time since like like in between those two places, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where that was, but obviously it wasn't important enough for us to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So Three days ago, they're setting up their tents in the valleys and like all of the people keep looking at him and he's helping Sydney. And he's helping Sydney. It's not Sydney, by the way, you guys. It's it's Cindy. <laughs> it's Cindy. And he's helping Cindy, you know, get her tent all figured out. And she's like, oh my God, that would have taken me forever to do it by myself. Thank you so much. And she mentions that all the others are like really excited that he's here and they've been like waiting for him. And it's really interesting to me that like we met Cindy, I mean, in the pilot, but like we really like learned more about her in season two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw her in Stranger in a Strange Land, saw that, you know, she had become one of the others. But it's like this episode really solidifies the fact that she is like one of them, you know, like she understands what they are excited about. She understands like the myths that they've heard. She like she really is part of it. Yeah, fully. Yeah, like she's fully like bought into their religious stuff. There's like Mm -hmm. cultural stuff like she's she's part of them. Yeah. yeah, she's so interesting in the way that she's really like one of the only, if not the only person we get who like we saw in the very beginning on the plane, who mm-hmm. then just like does a complete 180 and becomes fully integrated with these strange people who live on this island. Like, yeah, she's really the only thread there that like is continuous and has that story from the very beginning up until this point and i just think she's a really fascinating character even though i don't always follow her story Mm. i just think she's a very interesting person to follow and she's like apparently not trying to like leave or anything yeah and like yeah she seems very comfortable and then there's also like she's like apparently parenting zach and emma because like who are also here Yeah. yeah Right. And so it's like, okay, like, are Zach and Emma okay with being here? Or are they still asking for their mom in LAX, you know? Oh, 
Ouch. I just have questions. They're poor mom. <laughs> yeah. I know. She's just like, my kids died in a plane crash and she like, the you know, all the bodies of the plane and stuff. And it's like, ugh. oh, God, I forgot that now she, th- oh, my God, oh, I forgot no. about the points where she thinks they're yeah. dead now. That's oh. devastating. Like her two, like they were like kids, kids, little because no one wants to send their unaccompanied minors on like a 12 hour flight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. So Friendly shows up and says that Ben is asking for Locke. Not Friendly being Ben's assistant again. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> Ben's right hand man. It's like Richard is Ben's right hand man. But Friendly is like his assistant, you know, like he's like under him rather than like partners. Like it seems like Richard kind of is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like Richard kind of seems like he's not quite like with them in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like a hundred percent. There's like always like in these episodes, these little things that he does where it's like, it's like a point of autonomy for Richard. Like Richard is deciding to do this on his own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he seems very much to, he does listen to Ben, but I don't think he answers to Ben. Like I don't think he respects him either. No, not no. at all. Not at all. Especially after this episode and what he says to Locke later. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't think he does. I think he's kind of just with these people because uh, they're there. And they respect him for what he brings to the group, but I don't think that same respect is shared with Ben. Mm. Yeah, and I I think, you know, Richard is different in the way that if somebody else were to, like, sort of disrespect and go behind Ben's back in the same way that he does this episode, he'd be like, you're out of the others, but you can't do that to Richard. Mm -hmm. Like, Richard is a staple, you know, he... Mm -hmm. He's, like, above reproach. He is a totem. He stays where he... Yes, exactly. So Ben has gotten Juliet's message that she sent at the end of last episode and tells Locke that Juliet is gathering info and they're going to go and take anyone who's pregnant. And Locke is just like, oh, so real casual about the kidnapping. Oh. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna take him? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, we're just gonna take him. Just, just, uh, you know, take him. He's like, this isn't the first time we've done this, Locke. And he's like, okay. <laughs> just gonna put a pin in that. <laughs> on Lostpedia, it pointed out a little blooper here. Juliet's recording was probably on day 87, but she claims that it's Saturday morning, which would make it on day 88. However, Ben is listening to it on day 86. Oh, okay. So, oh, so we're a little, we're a little mixed up. You know, time, a bit time travel is not out of the question. Exactly. Exactly. So Ben is out of the wheelchair now and is now using a walking stick. And, you know, even though he got cancer on a magic island, at least he's still like healing quickly. So it's not like that part of the island magic isn't working for him. And Ben's like, yeah, thanks, because like you're magic. And so I started feeling better when you showed up like you're special. Like Ben is telling Locke that he's special, which is what Locke always wants to hear. And he's just like constantly in Locke's head. Yeah, that's like the surefire way to get to Locke. Is to tell yeah. him that he's special. I felt bad for Locke this whole episode. Yeah. I feel like being mean to Locke every once in a while is like, I feel like that happens a lot to Locke. But like, I feel like it ratcheted up to like 11 this episode. Like yeah. everyone was being super cruel. And like Anthony Cooper, you kind of expect that. But like Ben, like it feels like it was a bit much from Ben this episode. Yeah. And it sucks because like, you know, people like Richard, people like Cindy and everything are like nice to him in private but then when it really matters like Richard's like I'm not gonna speak up now you know I'm gonna speak up later after you've been humiliated (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. all right you guys are you ready to talk about this yes 
He has furniture. He sure does. Who carries that while they're while they're migrating? Who has the bookshelf? It's a full bookshelf. It's a full nightstand. What is this? I will tell you who. Oh my gosh! Sorry, go ahead, Casey. No, I want to know what you were. Oh my goshing. Isra, we never got to figure out what your impractical furniture was. <gasps> oh my god. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> this makes me sound a little bit vain, but I would bring a full length mirror. Like, mm-hmm. you know, those like really old fancy mirrors because they always yeah. have like cupboards inside of them. And I'm like, I just want a place to put like put my stuff. Yeah, that sounds good. Like just nicely on the beach, like every morning. Like it wouldn't just be for me. Like you can also check your hair and teeth and whatnot. But like, yes. I just would like my like giant full length, nice armoire mirror. That is so valid. That sounds good. I think you should ask for a full vanity. Yes, that yes, would yeah. actually maybe be better. But then like you can't have like a chair and like. You know, it might get yeah, dirty, that's but like, true. I want, I just genuinely want the beer. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But Casey, were you going to say something before I freaked out? <laughs> I don't remember. I think All I right. was going to make a joke. I don't know. Okay. It's fine. Anyway, I, I'm just like pissed off about this furniture that I'm just like, you're going to make other people carry this? Like that's a full piece of furniture. Uh, yeah. Cause it's like. Other people have their own stuff. And you know, also like, even if he hadn't had surgery, he would have made everyone else carry it. Oh, fully. Yeah, for sure. I bet you he made friendly carry it. Like, he's like, go get lock for me. Carry my bookshelves. Carry all of the books. Like, there's no way you need all those books. There's no way. You can't. You don't need every Stephen King novel. Like, if they're going to an... (laughs) (laughs) You only need the certain ones. It sounds like he didn't like Carrie. Yeah, he didn't care for it. I wonder what his favorite is. Not Carrie. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) So Ben is like, I want to show you what this island can do, um, but you're not ready. And Locke's like, uh, what? Yes, I am. And he's like, no, you need to be freed from your father's grasp. So that's what you have to do. But like, why though? And why is Ben yeah. so concerned about that? I don't know. Just because he knows he won't do it. Like, you know, like Richard says, like he's going to humiliate himself because he's he's going to ask him to do something and he won't do it. And like, but Richard also seems intending, like, like he also pushes that Locke needs to do it. I'm like, but why do you think this? Is it just so that yeah. like Ben will say okay? Or is it like because you genuinely think this will cause like emotional profundity for him or whatever? Mm-hmm. They're like, we as the others brought him here and he's really annoying. So we really do need to get rid of him and it's going to be you. (laughs) (laughs) They can't just let him run around the island. Yeah, it would be bad. So let's just get rid of him. They use the word crippled a lot in the episode. They really do. And, you know, it's the early 2000s, but I just wanted to remind everyone that this term is like now outdated and offensive. Yeah. So, yeah, just wanted to remind everybody that we don't use that word anymore. It's so demeaning. So demeaning. And very just, I don't know. I was going to say more words. It's like they're using it as in like both ways. So like I see like the writing is from a writing standpoint. They're like, oh, you were in a wheelchair, which means that you were that word. But then you're also like hurt uh, psychologically. So we can also use that word. And I'm like, but there are other words you could use that would mean the same thing. Yeah. You know? I like they use it in both in like both storylines with Locke. I'm just like it. It did make me feel weird. Like, I have it written in my notes, like, in brackets, like, underlined. I'm like, this word. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think there's also a difference between saying that, like, someone is crippled versus calling someone a cripple. That's right, which Sawyer does at the end. And I'm just like, that one felt felt worse. That's not great, bud. Yeah. Not great. Not great. 
So she's he's like, oh, you you were that's why you brought him here. And Locke's like, oh, yeah, the magic box. Right. And he's like, it's a metaphor. Anyway, you have to be ready and like willing to be one of us. You have to make a gesture of commitment. So you need to kill your dad. And so it's literally like an other's hazing ritual. And Locke is like, what? And you can see that Anthony Cooper is like tied to a pillar in front of the whole camp. Humiliating. (laughs) But he doesn't care because he thinks he's dead. It's like weird public execution. Yeah, so we're still like, so it's basically like that night. Ben is waking Locke up. They go over to Cooper and they give Locke a knife and they're like, all right, well, get it over with in the middle of the night. And Cooper's like, yeah, right. This guy won't kill me. Why did he take out the gag? Who? Wait, was it Locke who did that or Ben? Ben, no, Ben took out the gag. And I'm like, Ben, I like it. Of like, if he thought Locke was going to kill him, he would leave the gag on. He just took it out so that Anthony Cooper could like ridicule him. So he could ridicule him and Anthony could ridicule him. I'm like, this is, this is a lot. This is too much. 100%. That's exactly why he did it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that I like about Ben, not as a person, but like as a character. And then sometimes he pulls stuff like that and I'm like, you're so unlikable like you're not sometimes you're not even cool you know (laughs) yeah like sometimes you're unlikable but cool like sometimes ben is like such an but you're kind of cool yeah he's like such a good villain that he's like cool and then sometimes he's like he's so borderline because he's definitely a villain but he's not like a mustache twirling villain he's like a really sort of like sly villain and then sometimes i'm like you're being too villainy yeah, this is not you. Like, he's mo- he's usually more subtle than this, and this is just mean. Like, it's not evil, it's mean. Yeah. And I don't like that. Like, there was, um, when they were talking to each other, I can't remember when, what episode it was, but, like, when they were, when Ben was in the wheelchair and he was talking to Locke and they were kind of, like, being, they were kind of, like, dueling with each other with words. Like, that felt okay. Like I believe that was Man from Tallahassee. Yeah, like, that felt fine. But, like, here, Ben is, like, so much more in the position of power. And he's, like, mm-hmm. even if he's saying similar things, it's, like, it's it's just worse. Yeah, for sure. So he's, like, yeah, this guy won't kill me. And Ben's, like, you're hesitating because there's still a part of you that thinks he has a good reason to steal your organs and throw you out an eight-story window. <laughs> and Locke's, like, well, no, I know he doesn't have a good reason. I just, like, don't want to kill somebody. It's like, maybe murder just isn't on my agenda. Maybe it's just not my thing. Today. Today, it's not on his agenda. Today. Last week, yeah, and- it was totally fine. <laughs> Shove Mikael sure. through the, like, that that sonar. Oh, right. It's totally yeah. cool last week. This guy... can't do it he's like i didn't know that was gonna happen yeah so anthony cooper calls him a coward and i'm like dude this dude has a knife to your throat is it like super smart to antagonize him right now just wondering but Locke's like oh no i have to think i have to think and cooper's like this is a waste of time we've done this already he's not gonna do anything and he calls him spineless and that's when Locke is like hey you do not get to talk about my spine oh my god do not die with my spine dude and that's when he gets mad oh my god (laughs) so he's like I just, he's like, oh, he just wants a father figure. He just like, you know, that's just what he's doing. And Cooper thinks that they're in hell, that he's already dead. There's no consequences. In fact, if you killed me, that would be better because I'm currently not having a great time being tied to this pillar. He fully thinks this is all just like yeah. hell, the afterlife. Like just a vision in his Does head. not care. Yeah. And I mean, like, like he says to Sawyer later, having seen his like super dead son, I guess I get it. True. Man has no reason to believe that any of this is real. Like, seeing someone who you thought was dead, yeah. I'm like, 
I I do wonder like what depictions of hell he's seen because I'm like this is not my imagination like this beautiful lovely yeah. island with the like nice like rivers and the beautiful trees and the fruit of like yeah right it's like yeah it's hot but I mean it's beautiful I don't think actual hell is like that because I think that when he woke up he was just in that dark room being like interrogated and tied to a chair. And then that's when he decided himself that it was that it was hell. And then he got to see the island. So I wonder if like he was so certain that it was hell at that point that by the time he saw the island, he was like, nah, damn, this is nice, actually. Yeah. (laughs) So he's like, oh, my God, Locke, you still haven't figured out that we're all dead. I thought you were smart. And Locke's like, Ben, why are you doing this to me? And he's like, no, you're doing it to yourself. You'll still be your old self until he's dead. And Anthony Cooper's like, well, just let me know when you want to kill me. I'll be here all week. (laughs) Seems like Ben has some unresolved daddy issues that he is taking out on Locke. Just gonna throw that out there. Hmm, that feels like something that we might have to discuss next episode. Just just throwing that out there. Yeah. Maybe that's why Ben's a little bit extra mean this time, because he's just playing out a little bit of a fantasy. This is a little intense. And so Ben, like, knocks Anthony Cooper out. And even though it was in a flashback, it was on island. So I am going to call that our knockout for our knockout counter. I support that. Yeah. And then Ben's like, all right, everyone, here's an announcement to everybody. Locke is not special and not who we thought he was. So oopsies. (laughs) And then Locke's like, okay. And he like sadly walks away. I like, I just, did Ben... Like, let everyone in on this. What What do they think Locke is there for? What What did he promise that, like, Locke would bring? I'm just... Mm-hmm. I, this feels so extra and so just, like, trying to inflate or, or like, play with Locke's ego. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what? what uh, for why? For why? Yeah, and Richard feels the same way. He's, like, looking and he's like, this is so cringe, Ben. This, uh, this is not... This is not... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. I honestly think that Ben Ben has been like, I think, hyping Locke up to everybody. And now that Locke's not doing it, he's just like, oops, I guess we made a mistake, you guys. So that everyone would be like disappointed in him. It all feels so orchestrated and so, which mm. I mean, like, I guess it is. And it all feels so purposeful, which Ben is always thinking five steps ahead. And I think yeah. he super knows that like the way to like sparking something in Locke is to like, embarrass him or to make him doubt himself or to make him doubt his purpose or his importance because Locke's whole thing is shame oh Locke is finally feeling is constantly feeling shame and so he's very uh sensitive to shame and being embarrassed and so Ben is like what is the most like embarrassed and most shameful I can make him feel oh yeah it's like, I'm going to put you on this pedestal. I'm going to tell all these people that, like, you are this very special person that we've been waiting for, and you're going to fail, and I'm going to make you absolutely humiliated. Yeah. You know what's funny about that? Like, he ping-pongs kind of between, like, pride and shame, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a little... Uh, when I was a kid, one of my favorite television shows was Avatar The Last Airbender, and Amazing. so, like, it's great show i highly recommend that one if you haven't seen it (laughs) and one of my favorite lines from that television show is um it's i think in the second or third season and uncle iroh goes shame and pride aren't opposites 
but the root cause of shame is pride. And so, like, oh. you wouldn't ever be ashamed of anything if you weren't proud of something. Like, not the, like, good type of pride. The, like, deep-seated of, like, you think you're better yeah. than people type of pride. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, yeah. So I'm, like, I'm sitting here thinking of that, like, Avatar quote when I'm, like, thinking about Locke. That's great. Yeah. That's, so, that's so pertinent to Locke. I feel it's like he has felt so much shame in his life that he is constantly scrambling to find pride. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, Ben is offering him pride on a silver platter and then putting the lid back on it and taking it away. Yeah, fully. Right before he can grab it, you know? So two days ago, he's sitting looking over at the tents and he like unwraps his hand and sees that the bite has healed straight up in six days. Sure. Richard shows up and he's like, hey, uh, nice island, huh? (laughs) Never get tired of how beautiful it is. And uh, by the way, nice to meet you. (laughs) I'm Richard. And so they shake hands and he's like, oh, can I sit? And he's like, yes. I love Richard so much. He's so polite. He's so different from any other other that we have seen. He super is. I love him so much. We haven't even seen him that often yet. I know. But he's just so different. He's the best. He is... Yeah, he's so different. He's always like dressed up so nice and then always like, I feel like he's not necessarily like, like morally super like black or white, but he's always Mm -hmm. just kind of like doing his own thing, very nice to people. And he's like, oh, I'm just gonna like help out with this one thing. He's kind of like an unbiased party. Yeah, he's very calming too. Like Mm -hmm. just very, very to the point, you know? Yeah, I I like that about him. I just think he's so interesting because like every other other that we've seen has been like, it's just like so unlike him. So he like asks if he can sit and Locke is like, sure. And he's like, hey, just so you know, Ben was trying to like embarrass you in front of everyone. Like he knew you wouldn't do it. And so he wanted everyone to watch you fail. And so Locke's like, why would he do that? And he's like, because everyone is excited about you having heard that you were paralyzed and you got healed. And that could only happen to someone who's really special. And in back of my mind, I'm like, you know, who is who else was healed by something really, really big, but you guys don't know about is Rose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Rose is also very, very special, but in a completely different way. So special. I feel like Mm -hmm. Rose, even if they did know about Rose, I feel like she wouldn't futz about with any of these like shenanigans. She's like, I am going to live my life with my husband on this island. Oh, yeah. And that's Rose that. would never go with and any of that. this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She has no, like, pride complex or ego complex, whereas Locke super does. Super. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. They probably do know about Rose, but they're like, which one of them is more likely to, like, go about with all of our shenanigans? And it's definitely Locke. Yeah, yeah Locke is way more susceptible to being influenced by the others mm-hmm. and being told that he's special and then like running with that as yeah as something to hold over other people and he's like i feel like he's more like i feel like rose is really fixed in her faith but like i feel like Locke's faith and like um like faith and spirituality is kind of like less concrete and Mm -hmm. so like i feel like maybe this thought is going to end in spoiler thoughts places Mm. yep (laughs) all right write it down write it down yep so richard's like ben doesn't want anyone thinking you're special he doesn't want anyone to have any respect for you so that you can never like i don't know become any sort of leader leadership position so he's like why are you telling me this and 
Richard's like, I like being honest. And Ben is wasting our time trying to figure out this pregnancy thing when we could just be like handing out condoms. But we want someone to like give us something more important to work towards. I felt like Richard was a little bit flippant about the like nine people that died. I'm like, Richard, hold on a minute. Like, right. His face is like, ugh, stupid. It was nine people. And then also like, I'm I'm just going to assume they all wanted those kids because it seems like it's either they all wanted them or like they just didn't want to leave the island or like they didn't want to have an abortion i'm not sure what the situation yeah. was but like that's that's a little flippant for like so many people <laughs> Richard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah for sure the way that they kind of talked about it was that like oh i think ben said like sabine knew the risks or whatever and i'm like there's no way all of those like pregnant women were like I am willing to die for the sake of science and the sake of this baby. You know, like if it was me, I'd be like, uh, please save me right now. I made a terrible, horrible mistake. I would be like, let's leave the island now, please. And if that's not an option, I don't want to sign my own death warrant. No, Mm -hmm. thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So Locke is like, hey, Richard, listen, love talking to you. But this convo does feel a little bit manipulative. Um, What do you want? (laughs) He put you in front of Everyone in our camp, just so they could all watch it fail. Why? Because when word got back here that there was a man with a broken spine on the plane who could suddenly walk again, well, people here began to get very excited because that... that could only happen to someone who was extremely special. But Ben doesn't want anyone to think you're special, John. Why are you telling me this? Ben has been wasting our time with novelties like fertility problems. We're looking for someone to remind us that we're here for more important reasons. What do you want from me? I want for you to find your purpose. And to do that, your father has to go, John. I want you to find your purpose, which just isn't true. Real He's like, I want you to find your purpose. Like, and, but to do that, you really do need to kill your dad, though. So, like, Richard and Ben are on the same page about this, but I definitely, actually, do you guys think, I was going to say absolutely not, that Richard went over there, like, on Ben, not necessarily on Ben's orders, but, like, like he and Richard were on the same page and knew that Richard was going to go over and talk to him. Ooh, no. I, That's not how I read it. I was, I've been. Yeah, me neither at first, but now I'm thinking about it. I've been thinking about it, and I don't think Ben knew that Richard went over, because, yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would, I would think not either, but now I'm thinking back to the next, like, one of the next scenes where he's like, um, listen, Ben, if you were trying to embarrass me, and Ben's like, well, where did you get that idea? Mm, that's true. I think, well, okay, now I don't know. I can't remember what Ben's face looks like when he sees Locke carrying. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm like, if I knew what his yeah. face looks like, if he was surprised, then the answer is no. And if he wasn't surprised, then the answer is yes. I guess. Right. Because if he's surprised to see it, then he's like, oh my God, wow, Locke actually did it himself. And then if he's not, he's like, oh good, he got Sawyer to do it because he knew that Richard had said that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, listen, I know that you're not going to kill your dad. So I'm going to hand you somebody that will and gives him like the red folder that we see at the beginning of the episode in the other storyline. And he's like, Sawyer, why would he kill my dad? And he's like, yeah, just keep going. Yeah. (laughs) And it says on the folder, Ford, comma, James, a.k.a. Sawyer. And I was like, um, excuse me, this paperwork is in French. (laughs) 
But then on Lostpedia, it's like, yeah, it's a French police report. And I'm like, why is it in French? Maybe he was uh, hanging out in like Montreal or something. Who knows? I don't know. Is this their only folder on Sawyer? I assume it's a copy or else Richard wouldn't have just given it away for him to burn. Yeah, I would assume. And also, I feel like his like entire file would be like so much bigger than that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's for sure. He's just giving him what's what's necessary. You know, the, the necessities. The mm-hmm. spark notes, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So in the last scene of this little flash party, uh, it's yesterday. Uh, Locke wakes up and everyone else is packing up. Dude, how did you sleep through this? It's full <laughs> daylight and everyone's making noise. Like, I don't know how he's just like, oh, and now I'm awake. Okay. Just a heavy sleeper. And like, everyone just let him sleep just in the middle of the road where everyone is trying to walk. <laughs> I'd be like, can somebody get this bozo up? I'm like, I need to walk through there. Need to get this bed frame out of the way. Yeah, who's carrying the bookshelf? (laughs) (laughs) They left the bookshelves for Locke to carry back also. They're like, carry your father, but also these books because we're tired. Also the books. So Locke's like, hey, uh, what's happening? And they're like, "Uh, we're moving. Our lease is up. And he's like, where are we going? And he's like, you are not coming. Or your dad. And he's like, you're not taking my dad? And they're like, why would we do that? It's your property. We're not cleaning up your mess. We're leaving because you're a bad roommate, John. You leave messes for us to clean up? No. Wow. Locke should learn how to wash the dishes. Yeah, so true. (laughs) He really needs to refill the Brita filter. Yeah, it's embarrassing, Locke. You leave a lot of garbage around. Put your dishes in the dishwasher, my guy. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, listen, if you're trying to embarrass me and Ben's like, I'm not. What? Who said that? Where did you get that idea? He's like, you can't leave me after everything. And Ben says, and I quote, don't tell me what I can't do. Yikes. There's like, Giacchino is so good. There's like this one music note that happens after he says Locke's motto back to him. And you're like, youch. That one music note told you how much that hurt. That's pretty rough. So Locke's like, what? I'm not special? And Ben's like, "Mm, yeah, we just like messed up on that. That's on us. Sorry. Bye. That is It's so cruel and so strategic. Yeah. And so he says that they'll leave a trail that he can track, but like, don't show up unless you're bringing your dad's body. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yikes. Um, And those are the flashes. Anything before we uh, go to whatever Sawyer's got going on this episode? I just think that it's so interesting that... We have seen so much of Locke and Ben together, and we've seen all the ways that they are so similar, and they Mm -hmm. are so very much like two sides of the same coin. But I think in this episode, what's really hammered home as like the one thing that truly separates them from each other is the fact that like Locke will not just willy nilly kill someone. Right. Like, Like Ben will. Like, Ben is so ready to say that, like, the ends justify the means, and he's ready to do whatever it takes to get to what he needs to do. And Locke is ready to do that, with the exception of, like, murder. Like, I think that's something that is very clearly established in this episode, is that, like, the two are so similar, like, with their ego complexes and with their need to be special and to be important, but what ultimately really separates them is the fact that Locke still sees like the human on the other side of like who he's arguing with and Mm -hmm. Ben does not. Ben just thinks that like he is the end all be all. Yeah. Ben just wants to win. Yeah exactly exactly. He will do whatever it takes and Locke will do whatever it takes with the exception of like murder. 
Yeah. So before we move on to the last storyline, we're going to talk about Patreon real quick. Um, Patreon is a service in which, you, in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaffectionados. And we have some really cool perks and stuff that you can get if you join it. It's a monthly donation. Isra, as a Patreon sponsor, what's your favorite part about it that makes it worth it for you? Um, I think I first signed on right before the postcards like two years ago mm. and then I upgraded my membership because I really wanted to be part of that discord server it's so much fun Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> she upgraded I was like yeah. I like that perk I will upgrade because that sounds so much fun it is a lot of fun I remember mm. like what was it this week someone was watching stranger things for the first time and they were like yeah. live messaging their reaction to stuff it's a lot of fun yeah it is really fun it's so much I fun love it and that's the two dollar level yes um the one dollar level is uh just early access to all the podcasts this one comes out a whole week in advance on patreon five dollars gets you 10 percent off at shopylux.com which is where britney sells stuff Hybrid Embroidery, which is where I sell stuff. And new, new, new Lost and Found Candle Co. where Casey uh, sells stuff. So 10% off on all three of those places. Yeah, that's right. Um, You guys can get 10% off at <laughs> lostandfoundcandleco.com. Um, I have a lost candle. It's called We Have to Go Back. It smells like the ocean and the jungle. And I personally think it's delightful. And yeah, so go yeah. check it out. I just wanted to like mention if you do check out Casey's candles, my favorite is the Evermore candle. It smells like my childhood and I love it very much. Oh my god, that's so nice. That's so nice. It smells delightful. Like like genuinely, I I'm like onto my last one and I'm like, I just but I and I like every time I go to burn it, I'm like That's so sweet. Oh my god. (laughs) My birthday's coming up, so I'm like, okay, so I need to like put aside some money for my next paycheck to go buy more candles. Oh my god, you are an icon and a star. And also, you can get 10% off now with a special um affectionados discount code. So nice, nice. Wow. And my personal favorite um tier is the $10 level, which gets you access to our Patreon-only podcast, which is called Okay Love You Hi. We talk for about 45-50 minutes every two weeks. Um, just about random things and about our lives and it's really fun and thanks please join if you can't help us out on patreon check out um all of the places even if you don't have that uh discount code you can check out those places where we sell some cool stuff that's another way you can support us and get something cool um and if not just recommend us to a friend that would be really helpful in itself that would be so So, nice that'd be great all right last storyline is all the stuff that happens in the present and i also did the summary for that so here we go Locke sits in the black rock reading his folder on sawyer listening to his dad yell he burns the folder after being surprised by Locke, sawyer's like what the heck are you doing here and Locke says that he infiltrated the others kidnapped ben and now wants sawyer to come and kill him sawyer follows Locke, but with no shoes on so his little feet hurt He asks more about what was in the file. Sawyer attacks Locke and asks why Locke won't kill Ben himself. And he says he tried, but he can't do it because he's scared. Sawyer says that he'll help bring back Ben to the camp, but he won't kill him. Locke says, "Mm, we'll see. Sawyer admits that the man he killed in Sydney was a mistake. When they get to the Black Rock, Locke immediately locks Sawyer. (laughs) Locke locks Sawyer in the room (laughs) with Ben. But when Sawyer pulls the bag off his head, it's some guy he doesn't recognize. It's Locke's dad. Sawyer yells and beats on the door to get out. Rousseau shows up for dynamite and doesn't even ask about the screaming man in the other room. (laughs) 
Sawyer threatens to use his gun to shoot through the door, but Locke knows it doesn't have any bullets. He starts talking to Anthony Cooper, who explains how he got here and that he believes he's in hell since his son, who died in a plane crash, is here. He uses the word conned, which makes Sawyer ask his name. One of them was Tom Sawyer. Sawyer gets him to read the letter, but he only gets halfway through. He says he remembers Mary from Alabama and starts disrespecting his mother. It all culminates in Cooper ripping up the letter that Sawyer's been carrying around for like 30 years, so he grabs some chains and strangles Cooper with them. Locke comes in and says, hey, thanks. Outside, Locke tells Sawyer about Juliet and gives him proof to tell everyone. He says he's not coming back because he's on his own journey now. They both walk off in different directions, Locke carrying his father's body. Whew, creepy. Wow. What a plot twist. That's a lot. One of the biggest character connections on the show, I think. If not the biggest. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a bigger one. I can't really think of one. Yeah. Other than like learning that Blair and Jack share a father. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would say that that one is like similar, but like maybe this one might even be bigger than that. This is huge. Yeah. Huge. So we're in the Black Rock. It's like a dark room and a fire. And he's reading from a red folder that we like don't yet know about. But it's obviously the one that Richard gave him on Sawyer. We hear muffled cries from the other room. And uh, he's like, hey, um, no one's going to hear you because it's literally just me here. And as of now, because Locke goes and like tells Sawyer that it is Ben. As of now in the episode, it totally could be Ben. Yeah. Oh, super. You know, we don't know until he pulls that off. Yeah. Of his, uh, pulls the bag off. That it's not actually Ben. Yep. Because like even when Ben is like fully humiliating him, I could believe that Locke has d- did this to Ben. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We have no reason to believe it's not Ben really. Yeah. Very true. And so he burns the folder and this is just fun because like, you know, this is the first scene in the whole episode and like the storytelling, it's non-linear. It's, it's just fun mm-hmm. that like, you know... At the end of the episode, it all makes sense. Yeah. But what a terrifying thing to start the the episode with, with like you hearing this like person in the back and Locke's like, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> Yikes. Especially after not having seen Locke for three episodes. Yep. Locke's like, ooh, what? Is- we're like, what happened to you? Are you okay, Locke? Like what happened? Yeah. Something, ha- something major happened to you, Locke. Yeah. So after Locke goes and surprises Sawyer, Sawyer's like pointing his gun at Locke and Locke is like, I'm uncomfortable. Can you please zip up your pants? Your fly is down. <laughs> And like, at first I was rewatching it and I was like, is his full penis out? But we see it in the wide and it's not, thank God. But like, I imagine Locke being like, um, (laughs) can you put that away? Looking anywhere but down. Yeah, can, that's and Sawyer's like, oops. So Sawyer's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I was looking for you. And he calls him Tarzan, but he pronounces it like Tarzan. Oh my God, I noticed that. <laughs> and I'm like, why do you say it like that? I think he's done that before too. Like I think yeah? he's made that reference and pronounced it that way. And I'm like, sir. Josh, why do you say <laughs> it like that? Tarzan? You guys, can I tell you something? My favorite movie of all time is called Night at the Museum 2. What? And one of my favorite scenes in the- I know. I have never heard this before. One of my favorite scenes in the film is when Kamen Ra says, uh, you're evil, you're asthmatic, you're a robot. And he says, robot, like robot. And that's all I can think of (laughs) is what he says. Okay, Tarzan. You're a robot. (laughs) You're evil, you're asthmatic, you're a robot. He's talking about Darth Vader. It's very good. I think I saw that in theaters. Yeah. It's um, it's a masterpiece of a film. Very good. Hey, Robin, if w- if one wanted to hear co- your, like, your commentary mm-hmm. on the film, 
Is there a place we could do that? Yeah, actually, we did a. I did an episode of our Patreon only podcast where I fully just did a commentary of the film. So you put the film on and then I talk over it. I feel like that is something I would like to hear. Yeah, probably. So there's that. I also named my dog after the main character of the film. Did you now? I did. So safe to say, I think it's a perfect film. Wow. It kind oh. of is. I gotta say. It kind of is, right? Like you rewatch it and you're like, damn. I gotta say. And like- That had a moral, that had comedy, it had, it just has everything. It, it really does. It has comedy, it has heart. It has so much heart. Yeah, so true. And like, I, I mean, not everyone will get to actually watch the film for the first time with Robin, which I did. I mean, like over FaceTime, but it still counted. But- the closest thing you you guys can get is her commentary. So I think you should probably, you know, join the $10 <laughs> tier out. on yeah. Patreon and do that. Anyway. So, yeah. So, so, so anyway, uh, Sawyer's like, um, you blew everything up so we couldn't get off the island and now you want my help. Like, why did you even, why did you join the others? He's like, I haven't joined the others. I'm infiltrating them. And he's like, you're telling me you're undercover with the others? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I am. I love how unbelievable it is. He's like, okay, why should I believe you? And he's like, because I have kidnapped Ben and I have tied him up and and that's what I've done. And he's like, okay, so you came all the way back here to tell me that you've tied up Ben. That's it? And he's like, no, he treated you badly and I want you to kill him. And Sawyer's like, uh... No, oh, okay. You do it? <laughs> Why do I have to do it? And Sawyer's like, uh, or, and Locke is like, well, I'm not a murderer. And Sawyer's like, me neither. I'm like, hold on, Locke. Hold on, Locke. You killed someone a week ago. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> as far as he knows, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. As far as like Locke believes, for sure. We, we know that Mikael is fine. Like, yeah. As far as we can tell, he's fine um, physically. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, mentally super gone. Not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like Locke is like, but Locke thinks he totally killed someone. He's like, I'm not a murderer. And I'm like, sir. You are though. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, I killed one guy once by accident. Well, I didn't kill him by accident, but I killed him by accident. <laughs> and then I think he has like a uh, one random other under his belt or something like that too. But like, that doesn't count. Red shirts don't count. Yeah. <laughs> and so Locke's like, well, you killed a man in Sydney and they all have files on us. And that's so I know that. So he's like, well, we, they all have files on us. And the file said that you killed a man in Sydney. And he's like, well, the file lied. I didn't do that. Oh, and so and so Locke's like, okay, well, I'll go then. Please don't don't tell anyone I was here. Bye-bye now. Locke with the mind games. It's fun because like Ben always does mind games on Locke, but then Locke turns around and is like, I can also do them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's like- And he's just as convincing. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Like he's just as good at manipulating people as Ben is. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like honestly kind of impressive. And I'm like, this may be not a good skill to have. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, it's good to be able to like persuade people to do things, but like that's a lot of like lying and bending the truth. And like some of it's bending the truth to be fair, but yeah. some of it's like outright lies. Like, no, he doesn't have Ben. But like, w- does he genuinely think Sawyer is going to kill this person and change his mind when he sees right. them? Yes. Yeah. Like, that's the truth. Well, I also think it's really impressive that he like was able to figure out a lie that like would make Sawyer come along because like he can't just be like, my dad is there and he is the man who like, he's like, I read so much in your file that I know like your entire tortured backstory. Like then Sawyer would be like, nah, no, don't talk to me like that. I, I'm i embarrassed now, you know? <laughs> you know. So Locke had to like figure out a way to get him there. And, and, and even when Sawyer says no, he turns around and is like, okay. And then like just knows that he will follow. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's close enough to the truth for it to be a good lie. 
Exactly. I have a question. This is like mm-hmm. not necessarily the most on top of question, but like sure. if you get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, like if you're in the forest, like I would put on shoes. Yeah. Okay, fully. Anytime I go camping and like I need to get up and go to the bathroom, you know I'm wearing shoes. Mm-hmm. What? I think that to be fair, he was like just going over to a tree that was like still on the beach and then he saw Locke and then he walked into the jungle, I think. Maybe. I'm like, mm. be fair, but even then I'd probably put on like some sort of sandal if he had one. I would have been like, hold up, gotta put on shoes. Yeah. I'm like, I, I watched him. I'm like, I know he's going to need shoes in this episode. So I'm going to watch what happens. So he like picks up his gun and then he doesn't uh-huh. put on his shoes. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand this. Like to from like a culture cultural perspective like mm-hmm. i wear house shoes all of the time so like even right now like my house shoes are sitting beside me so i'm like right like how how do you walk around just in life without shoes like shoes are so important like the most important invention like why why are such disregard for shoes i do not know that is such a good point that he grabs his gun but doesn't grab his shoes so if someone comes up to you you're gonna like shoot them with the gun and then like run after them and your feet are just gonna hurt like you need to be prepared in all aspects sawyer please but we do know that that like by the end of the episode we find out that gun has no bullets and he's aware that it has no bullets so he's like this is just for show yeah But even then, I'd be like, if I have a gun, I'm expecting to, like, potentially, like, be in some sort of tussle that I would need shoes in. Yeah. So, sir, we all agree you should have worn shoes. Yeah. He, like, Sawyer's like, hey, stop. And would be like, Locke, please, can you wait till I get shoes? Like, I really feel like Locke probably would have. He'd be like, okay, I'll come with you, but can I get shoes first? I totally really wanted him to say that, but I know he never would. Yeah. And he's, like, looks down at the fact that he's not wearing shoes and is like, what's more important, following Locke or getting shoes? And he chooses Locke, which I feel like is probably the smart choice based on like if he wants to follow Locke you know Mm -hmm. that is significant Mm -hmm. so obviously Sawyer in the next scene Sawyer's feet hurt really bad because he didn't wear shoes and so Locke's like hey you should have brought shoes thank you and Sawyer's like I was peeing sorry I didn't think I'd be taking like a hike after peeing sorry understandable However, on Lostpedia, it pointed out that Sawyer uh, not putting shoes on is probably an homage, potentially, to Tom Sawyer, the fictional character who is almost always barefoot. Oh, wow. So that's on purpose. I don't know if that's for sure, but that's a really, but I think that's a really good point. And it's something that Damon and Carlton would probably do. That's pretty impressive. They make point to like talk about the fact that he's not wearing the shoes and like potentially just as a comedy thing, but. And then he meets Tom Sawyer. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that feels super intentional. Yeah. So he's like, what else is in the file? And he's like, uh, that your parents died when you were a kid. And, but it doesn't say why your dad shot your mom, but it definitely did say that, right? Like he's just saying that it didn't, say that but like it did well uh, like yeah like how would he know is how would he know that information at all like how would he know that um yeah tom sawyer was the one who like caused this if he didn't know why like Mm -hmm. obviously he knows why yeah I think he burned the file just so that he couldn't show him the file, honestly. Show him, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he's like, oh, that must have been really hard for you. It also had high school transcripts and your criminal record and, like, all of the con jobs you've done. So I assume that because of your criminal record, that's why you go by, like, a different name. Mm-hmm. What made you choose that name? Fully knowing mm. why he chose it. Just seeing if Sawyer would be honest with him, I guess? Yeah, I think so. Just trying to see how far he could get, like, yeah. telling him things about himself and seeing yeah. what he would lie and tell the truth about. Yeah, So then Sawyer 
hits Locke, gets the knife on him, but Locke is not knocked out because they need to have a conversation. Indeed. (laughs) And he's like, I've already been conned by Ben. I'm not going to be conned by you. And he's like, I'm telling you the truth. I want you to kill Ben. And like, maybe that is the truth that you want him to kill Ben, just not right now. So he's like, okay, why do you need me to do it? And Locke's like, I can't do it because I'm scared. So he's not saying it's not Ben. He's just saying I won't do it. I think that like a lot of this right now is a lie, but like this moment is genuine. It felt so genuine and like yeah and he's embarrassed this i don't know if like this is like an acting thing that terry o'quinn does but like that way that like his voice was in that scene like like there's a couple other times when he's like his voice is so like vulnerable and like upset like that like one of the times Mm -hmm. is like when he's in is it orientation when he's like yelling about you want your damn 30 dollars back i want my kidney Mm -hmm. back like he sounds like that too in that scene like yeah there's like a couple times where his voice gets like that and i'm like oh that that feels genuine because like yeah it's sort of like gravelly yeah yeah it's never been easy Yeah. yeah 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 for sure i completely with you i think yeah I don't know if that's that's something that happens when Terry yells or if that's something that happens when Locke yells. I'm not sure. Yeah. But regardless, like those are definitely the moments that I think are, we can safely say are the most sincere for a lot yeah. character yeah because he's usually so soft-spoken yeah he's he's a very gentle speaker very soft-spoken he does not raise his voice but when he does oof does he mean it yep and it hurts my feelings every time every time <laughs> so sad yeah so sawyer's like okay fine like i'll go but i'm not gonna kill him he's like dude i'm not a murderer i only wanted to kill one guy and it was a mistake and I regret it and I hope that you don't think of me as a murderer because I don't want to be a murderer. Ouch. <laughs> is so vulnerable and so sad and I'm like I'm like torn halfway between being like I'm so mad at you Locke for like manipulating mm. Sawyer emotionally in this way like this is so awful but then at the same time I'm like uh, like I I'm like I get it but I'm like this is so awful and so painful for like this other person and I'm like mm-hmm. it yeah. Like, it makes Sawyer throw up afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know that was, like, a horrific experience for Sawyer. And, like, yeah. Locke can't do it himself. He knows it's going to be, like, a horrible experience. Yeah. And it's like, they've been saying to Locke, you cannot be free until your father is dead. And in the same way, I feel like Sawyer's been waiting. And that's why he, like, went out in search for Frank Duckett. Because he knew that, like, he couldn't be free until Sawyer was dead. Yeah. Like the original Sawyer, obviously. And so now that that's happened, they both can finally move on from that. It's just like more at the expense of Sawyer than it is at Locke. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So he's like, okay, we're not going to kill him, but we'll bring him back to camp and then we'll all decide what to do with him. And Locke's like, well, once you hear what he has to say, you're going to change your mind about that. And Sawyer's so like, okay, whatever. On Lostpedia, it was pointed out, One of the best known episodes from The Adventures of Tom Sawyer is a scene where Tom tricks the other kids into doing his work for him, which is painting a fence. Appropriately, in this episode, Locke is the one playing the same kind of trick on Sawyer, trying to get him to do his work. Wow. Okay, that hurts. (laughs) Okay, ouch. (laughs) First of all, ouch. Second of all, how dare you? Yeah, sometimes I can think of these like these uh like sometimes I got I got these insights myself and then sometimes I take them from Lostpedia and I'm like that. That exactly. <laughs> yeah. So in the next scene they get to a stream and Sawyer's like bathing his little toes and he's like my feet hurt and he says, "Okay, so you're telling me that I'm going to kill Ben when I hear what he has to say?" And Locke's like, "Yeah." And he's like, so do you want to like tell me what he's going to say ahead of time so that I can like emotionally prepare? And Locke's like, no, it's a secret. 
No, I don't want to tell you. It's no, I'm not going to, actually. Not my place to tell you. No spoilers. <laughs> and Sawyer's like, okay. So he's like, yeah, because we have so much respect for Ben and his story. Sure. So he's like, okay, listen, the file was right. I did kill a man in Sydney, but I was looking for someone else. It was a mistake. I feel bad about it. And so Locke's like, oh, who were you trying to kill? He just keeps asking questions, hoping that Sawyer tells him the truth when he already knows the answer. And so Sawyer's like, mm, I don't want to say. And then he asks if they're almost there and he says yes. Oh, I forgot one of my notes that I just wanted to mention. I talked sure. with him. Like, you know when Sawyer gets so irritated with Locke that he like assaults him? Mm-hmm. And like, it's like right after he keeps calling him James, and he's like, don't call me James. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, I, I wanted to like view that and like, um, I wanted to like kind of view that in a lens of like, um, like a queer lens, I guess you would call it. Sure. I think in English class, they called it like a gender lens. I'm taking English class because I'm bad at writing. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I forgot like all of these kinds of things and they're really interesting to me. So I'm like taking it into English class because like, yeah. So I was like looking at it through that lens and I'm like, you could see this as like, um, there's like no baggage of like transphobia or anything like that, but it is like really annoying and really upsetting. It's like, it's like akin to someone calling someone by a name that they don't go by anymore. I was talking to yeah. one of my, um, one of my best friends actually doesn't go by the name that they used to mm-hmm. because they transitioned. And so I was talking to them and today and they were like, yeah, so like it would be really annoying and like it would have, they think that it would have like that um, background baggage. But of course, like in Sawyer's case, it doesn't have like any of that like loaded societal stuff, but it is right. like really interesting. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fully a, a sign of respect at the very least like it's a person's identity it's the way a person acknowledges themselves and wants to be acknowledged by others and refusing to acknowledge that is is disrespectful like 100 percent, even if it's not in a a queer trans context yeah it's interesting who sawyer will let do it and who he won't let do it. Like, he doesn't like when Locke does it, but he'll, you know, and I think it's also partially like, I can't hit a woman, you know? But like, you know, Juliet will do it and Kate will do it occasionally. And he just kind of like is annoyed, but like lets it go. But he's like willing to hit Locke when he does it enough times, you know? Because I I think it's a little bit, because like he knows he's being manipulated and he's like, could you just like, it's like he's irritated by one thing and then he's irritated by the other thing. And it's like so much that he like, he's like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, stop. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He goes by Sawyer and so you should call him Sawyer because that's his preferred name. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's really not that hard to, to call people what they want to be called, you know? Yeah. It's not that hard. It really isn't. It doesn't hurt anybody. (laughs) Yeah. So they get to the Black Rock and it was pointed out on Lostpedia that the Black Rock in this episode is like greenish. Um, but in Exodus part one, when we saw it, it was like brownish. So I'm like, what happened? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Algae? Algae. Sometimes sure. they like, so it's not like lighting. It's just the actual ship. I guess. Mm. Could could just be lighting. Who knows? Could be a different time of day. Maybe. But Sawyer is just like, oh, what a nice place. And I was like, has Sawyer even been here? And I was like, I don't think so. He doesn't act like he's ever been here before. Oh, you know, I don't think he has. I'm pretty sure he hasn't. He didn't go in the first season. And then when have they been here otherwise? I feel like these are the two times so far. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Locke is like, oh, he's inside the brig and Sawyer thinks that he's very funny. And I think calling uh, Locke old in commenting that these skeletons must be his friends. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. So Locke points out that it is a slaving ship, probably in mid 19th century. And maybe it was brought here to mine the island, potentially. We will 
talk about this in the spoilers section for sure because we do eventually figure out like all of the background of the Black Rock. There's dynamite in the boxes and then Sawyer hears muffled cries and he's like, oh my God, you really do actually have him here. And I'm like, Sawyer, what did you think you were coming here for? Like if you knew or you at least thought that Locke was lying and manipulating you to get you here to this boat and you still went, what did you think was going to happen when you got here if you didn't think that Ben was here? Yeah, there was something that kept him walking barefoot through the jungle. Yeah, like, you, do, do you trust Locke that much to not, like, walk you into an ambush? If nobody's trusting Jack for being with the others for 10 days, Locke certainly has also been gone for quite a long time. I think maybe he, like, I don't necessarily think he trusts Locke, but I think, like, he knows, I think he trusts himself that he could probably get himself out of a situation, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe it's that people can, like, see Locke more clearly, like, they can read Locke, like, he's like Ben can see through him really easily. And so like maybe other people can also see his like intentions and ideas, but like not necessarily exactly what he's thinking. I don't know. Yeah. And I think he, I don't even know how to explain it. Like I think, oh my God, why are words so hard? I don't know. I think I'm trying to think of, of things too. And right now I'm thinking that like Jack is kind of like Sawyer could potentially believe that Jack would like rat him out or betray him if it was like for the good of the group or whatever but like Locke is more not self-centered but like self-serving self-serving yeah. and I think that Locke would understand that like killing Sawyer or getting rid of Sawyer or handing over Sawyer would not be in Locke's best interest mm. that's what I'm thinking yeah yeah and if Jack were to do that that would be incredibly bad for Jack that would be incredibly dumb yeah yeah like like Locke understands that it would be stupid for him to do that but like I don't trust Jack to know that it would be stupid because he exactly yeah because if he's like oh it's for the good of the group Jack Jack would do it and wouldn't know what an error is yeah so Jack would do it and he'd be like it's for the good of the group meanwhile the entire group is like Jack what the hell yeah yeah I think that's what I was trying to say okay we got there we got (laughs) there Something like it anyway. So Sawyer's like, hey, Locke, listen, by the way, just like I said, I'm not actually going to kill him, just so you know. And Locke's like, okay. <laughs> and so he like pushes him in and he like locks the door. And uh, we see like the bag over his head and we see Sawyer leave his knife outside. Yikes. So at that point, you're like, how is he going to kill this guy if he's going to kill this guy? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I didn't know why he chose <laughs> the chains, but I guess that's why. Yeah. I guess, like, I mean, that's all he had because he didn't have his knife and his gun didn't have any bullets in it. Yikes. I probably would have punched him a couple times first. See what happened after that. Yeah, I feel like my gut instinct would have been to punch, but, you know, each his own. Maybe his little, he's like, my feet hurt. I don't need my hands to hurt either. Those are all my appendages. Mm. That's so fair. That could be. I feel like maybe I would just sit down and cry. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) And then Anthony Cooper would just, like, berate you. Oh, my God, that'd be so awful. I'm like, Locke, I can't do this. Yeah. (laughs) Please let me out. I don't know why Richard thought that I could. I can't. So Locke locks him in and you know Cooper won't stop screaming and Sawyer gets so annoyed that he grabs the bag and he's like what who are you and you're like whoa crazy because yeah we don't yet know I don't think it's until like two scenes from now that we like realize exactly why Sawyer has been brought here yeah see because then because when he pulls it off he doesn't recognize him so Sawyer of course is yelling to get out understandably and then Rousseau shows up and she's like oh hey Locke and he's like oh hey Rousseau what's up and she's like yeah just getting some dynamite what about you <laughs> he's like meanwhile Sawyer is screaming in the background it's like smile (laughs) 
Yeah, he doesn't answer. He's just like, anyway, the uh, the dynamite's over there. But I guess it's like clear what he's doing here from like the yelling men in the background. Uh, so he's like, there's a dynamite. Be careful with that. It is absolutely hysterical that they're just having a chill conversation while Sawyer's like screaming in the background. And Russo's like, all right, bye, Locke. Thanks. I'm like, I sat there watching this. I'm like, Locke, Russo showed you where the dynamite is. Yeah. She knows. <laughs> She's like, I know where it is. Thanks, buddy. And she knows it's unstable. She told you this information. Like, oh my God. Locke had a full open fire here. Yep. At the beginning of this episode. Oh my God. He sure did. This place is filled with dynamite, you buffoon. <laughs> what the heck? I don't know how that whole place didn't blow. Actually, I do know how that place didn't blow up, but that's a spoiler conversation. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so Sawyer, I assume, will be losing his voice sometime soon because he will not stop screaming. He takes the gag out of Cooper's mouth and tells him to be quiet and he doesn't bite Sawyer. Just Locke gets bitten, I guess. Sawyer calls Locke John Boy. And that's a character in The Waltons. He is a very sensitive young man in... Uh, he's a bit of a wimp, a very family oriented, but stubborn enough to do what he feels right. So that's what he calls him. And it just happens to be coincidence that his first name is John. Wow. Wow. Nice, nice. So Sawyer's like, I'm going to shoot you through this door if you don't open up. And Locke's like, no, you won't. If there were bullets in there, you, why would, you would not hold a knife to my throat. And Sawyer's like, damn it, I've been psychologied. Huh. I, this reveal is so good. Damon and Carlton wrote that so well. They did. I didn't notice oh, it. I was like, I think I even forgot this time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's so good. So then Cooper's like, well, I didn't raise no dummy. You didn't raise him. I also nope. thought, I'm like, <laughs> just, you're absolutely, everything you say in this episode is absolutely the worst. I hate you. Yeah, it's so angering. Anthony Cooper is literally the worst character in the entire mm-hmm. canon of Lost. And yeah, I, there's just no debating that. I could hear arguments, but I don't know if I'd agree. Like, it really feels like this is the guy. There are a couple of contenders, but this is the guy, I think. For this me. is the guy. No one else yeah. is, is just so outright malicious and cruel. And like, I just, who pushes their son out a window? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, I've, like, tried to think of anyone that I, like, hate as much as I hate Anthony Cooper. And I'm like, well, there's that person. I'm like, no, they're not as bad. Like, <laughs> nope. Not as bad. It's this guy. This is the guy. Yeah. Like, what's his name? Thomas? Tom? Tommy? Whatever. Claire's guy? Yeah, Thomas. Yeah. Thomas? Was he, was he a load of garbage? Yeah. Would yeah. he push Claire out a window? I don't think so. No. Like, there's christian shepherd and i'm like that guy has some redeeming qualities not a lot but like something you know but this guy he's got nothing you know there's nothing good about this guy there's literally nothing about him yeah that i down. like uh he's the worst person he is the ultimate enemy of lost i hate him so much and i will not be taking any questions at this time yeah so sawyer's like huh and he's like that guy's my son and so he's like what and he's like i'm his dad do you know english and he's like no i understood what you said it's just surprising <laughs> you know when something surprising happens you go what it's not that i didn't understand your words oh my god i hate him so much this guy's such an asshole don't you understand english shut up yes he is such an oh my god i hate him i hate him so so he was like okay well how did you get on this island if you're on if you're Locke's dad he's like oh we're on an island dude could you not see uh the ocean from the pillar you were tied to for three days i off i guess 
I hate him so much. He's just awful. So he's like, I was driving down the I-10 through Tallahassee because he's the man from there, of course. Sure. How did you get here? To the island. Island? <laughs> okay. I'm driving down I-10 through Tallahassee when bam, somebody slams in the back of my car. I go right into the divider at 70 miles an hour. The next thing I know, the paramedics are strapping me to a gurney, stuffing me in the back of an ambulance, and one of them actually smiles at me as he pops the IV in my arm. And then, nothing. Just black. And the next thing I know, I wake up in a dark room, tied up, gagging my mouth, and when the door opens, I'm looking up at the same man I threw out a window, John Locke. My dead son. One of the paramedics smiles as he gives him the IV. So my thought is that was probably Richard or Friendly or somebody like that. I'm an idiot. I was about to say, oh my God, it was Ethan. Ethan's <laughs> been dead for a long time. That's Well, that's the main thought because Ethan's a doctor for sure. But yeah, he would have been dead by now. Man's been super dead for a while. Yeah. I thought of another person, but like, mm -hmm. I don't... Remember that orderly that was... Oh... Like Locke's orderly? Yeah. I'm like, but I'm not sure. Oh, what episode was that? I don't know why in my head. Or are you talking about... Yes, I'm talking about Locke's orderly, but I'm like, I'm not sure in my head. I'm like, does that work? I don't know. Like, he seemed weird. Because like, are you talking about Locke's orderly that we only see that one time in that episode? Or I don't think... I think Hurley also has a person that comes to see him, but I think that's in season four. That like also has Locke in a wheelchair at some point. Oh, I... Yes, I'm thinking of a spoiler person. Whoops. <laughs> okay, okay. No, all good. I was like, that is a totally good idea though and I bet it was him. I don't know why my, my brain imagined that person. Wait, are we talking about... Are we talking about... Oh my god, okay. We're talking about... I'm gonna cut this out, but we're talking about... Okay, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And also, yeah. I was also thinking, well, maybe anytime we're talking about someone that we shouldn't be talking about, we should call them Bruno. <laughs> oh, okay, let's do it. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about that. Silencio Bruno. Yeah. Silencio exactly. Bruno. So Anthony Cooper says, listen, I'm out and the next thing I wake up in a dark room tied up and my dead ass son opens the door. And I, I you know, I had thrown him out a window. So I was like, that's weird. <laughs> so he was like, Wait, he died because you threw him out a window? And he's like, no, no, somehow he didn't, weirdly enough. No, he lived after that. He was permanently paralyzed, though. And so now Sawyer knows that, which was previously a secret between only a few people knew that about Locke. Um, he's like, no, the plane he went on went down or... The plane he was on went down and that that's how he died. On Lostpedia, I pointed out this little blooper. Anthony Cooper tells Sawyer that Locke was dead because his plane crashed in the Pacific. He then explains how Flight 815 was found on the bottom of the ocean. While Flight 815 did really crash in the Pacific, the fake wreckage was found in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, it sure was, wasn't it? Yeah, so that was just a mistake. But that kind of also makes me feel like, ooh, conspiracy. Bum, bum, bum. Fair, fair. Yeah, and... So you're just like, well, I was on that plane too and he was not paralyzed. But, and we just crashed on this island, not in the Pacific. And he's like, oh, it's not an island. It's hell. We're all dead. <laughs> and he goes, and, and basically like that's what he ends up saying. But he goes, oh, are you sure it's an island? And Josh 
plays this so amazingly. He's just like, huh? <laughs> am I sure it's an I uh yeah, I'm sure it's an island. What? I am very sure. I look at the ground, there is sand there, I can pick it up, I'm holding it. <laughs> yes, it's an island. There is a second island, and I saw this island while I was on that second island. I'm very sure it's an island. So he's like, you were in a plane crash, I was in a car wreck, and now we're in a pirate ship in the middle of the jungle. I <laughs> Anthony Cooper's like, I definitely deserve to be in hell. Do you deserve to be uh, in hell? And so he's like, damn, do I deserve to be in probably. <laughs> Yikes. So he asks why he threw Locke out a window and Cooper's like, mm, he was annoying. Yeah, he just okay. got annoying. I don't know. That's that's a good reason to, to push a person out a window. Like I stole his kidney and he held a grudge. I don't know. It's so like, I just hate him so much. <laughs> just so, he's so, he's so despicable. Nonchalant about this horrible thing that he did. And he's like so calm that he's in hell. He's like, I expected yeah. this. Yeah, for sure. It's like, really? You wanted this for yourself? Okay. He, like, you know, when you do the things that you do in real life, which are so, so, so bad, he's just like, man, I'll just burn for eternity just so I can do these things that I want to do right now. I cannot relate. <sighs> yeah. Like, why is he so chill? Like, it's just like, he's so calm with the concept of like being just tied up and like, like he antagonizes Locke earlier. I just don't understand how he could be like so calm with his situation. He is so chill and i would love to say that like i think he's so chill because he's like just trying to convince himself that this is his hell but no i think he genuinely thinks this is his hell and this is as bad as it gets and he does not actually have to answer for like any of his terrible terrible crimes like it's just crazy because like every other villain that they give us in this show has like some sort of like levels you know there are there are layers to them you know you yes. can see what happened to them or you know they have some sort of humanity yeah but this guy's just straight up evil yeah and like just there's there's a place for that kind of person in every story yeah. Yeah. like ben for example not not a mustache twirling villain Super exactly. complex, super layered, super like you, you kind of understand him one minute, the next minute you're like, oh my god, you're a psychopath. Yeah. But like Anthony Cooper, that's just a bad dude. Yeah. Just He's just bad. Was anyone else irritated by like him calling friend, Sawyer friend? I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't call him friend. I'm annoyed by every word that comes out of his mouth. He's like, hey, you seem like a bad guy too. We're pals, right? Con man goes by many names, friend. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> leave him alone. Yeah. So he uses the word conned. And so Sawyer's like, uh, what's your name? Remembering that Locke was like, hey, when you hear what he has to say, he's, gonna, he's like, oh crap, I'm putting this together. What's your name? He's like, well, I went by many names. Uh, he and he names Alan Seward, Anthony Cooper, and he he names Anthony Cooper second. But as far as we know, that is his real name. Mm -hmm. And it was also Adam Seward and not Alan Seward. So that was kind of a oh. mistake, unless he just like didn't care at all. Maybe he did both. I don't yeah. know. And also Tom Sawyer. And this is the point where the audience start to realize and freaks out. Yeah, this is huge. This, like I said, one of the best character connections, one of the biggest. This twists. is huge. Yeah. And Sawyer, Sawyer's revelation of it all is just, ugh. Josh is just so talented. So talented. Yeah. That's a great man's. I appreciate that they went past Tom Sawyer because, like, Anthony Cooper doesn't mm -hmm. know that, like, he was going to exactly. fixate on that right. one. So, like, they go past that one. I'm like, yes, perfect. Yeah. Like, Tom Sawyer and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, it would be disingenuous for him to be like, and Tom Sawyer. And Sawyer go, oh. <gasps> 
<laughs> that would be ridiculous. Yeah. So he's like, well, girls really liked that one because it made me like really charming. And Sawyer's like, I know because I also use it. And the line read of him being like, that's also my name is very, very good. That's yes. so good. Like, you don't know what yeah. he's going to say in that moment. Like, there's that pause and you're like, is he going to say, oh, my God, like, oh, you're him or oh, you killed my dad. No, he just says, oh, that's my name, too. Yeah. It's so good. I, it's like not like Jack at the beginning of season two being like, oh, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Although that would have been an interesting parallel. I think it would have been kind of dumb sounding coming from Sawyer. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. And Sawyer, just, just the way that Sawyer puts the pieces together in this moment is like, oof, it's a lot. Yeah. And it's good. It's so good. So in the next scene, we see Locke outside again, and he's just like sitting and not hearing them say anything. So he's like, oh, great. They're finally talking. <laughs> That's what I wanted. So Cooper's like, hey, why are you looking at me weird? And Sawyer's like, have you ever been to Jasper, Alabama? And after the last time this happened with Frank Duckett, having made a huge mistake, Sawyer needs to be so sure yeah. that this is the actual guy. Because mm-hmm. like because he, he doesn't want to become a murderer. He wants to kill one person. And he doesn't want to kill a bunch of people on the way to that person. He wants to kill one person. So he's like, yeah, I've been to Jasper, Alabama. I'm not your dad too, right? And he's like, no, you killed my dad. Although you're kind of like a father figure to me, sort of, because I took your name and also your lifestyle. Okay, but the way he says, you killed my daddy. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. He's back to being like six years old or whenever it happened. You killed my my daddy oh my that just that broke me yeah and so uh, cooper's like what no i've never killed anyone like i tried to kill my son but like i've never actually killed anybody myself so he gets the letter out which he which he carries with him constantly yeah presumably presumably just every time he changes his pants like he puts the yeah. pocket that the letter in his pocket these days he don't have a lot of pairs of pants i guess not <laughs> so he's like Okay, please read this aloud. We will not be doing popcorn reading. You have to do it all. Please do it. (laughs) And he starts reading it, but he doesn't finish. And he says, blah, blah, blah. The absolute disrespect. I know. Oh my God. What a dick. Like, and at first I'm like, well, I don't know if that's enough to kill him. But it gets to the point where you're like, okay, that's enough. Like, it's like, he does it. It's so disrespectful. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. And like, Sawyer just like gets increasingly more and more and more aggravated. He's like, I feel like he just kind of wants him to like, like say sorry or something. Like, I don't think, I still think he would have killed him. But like, he just wants him to like, say anything like have have any remorse exactly like have any remorse whatsoever all he wants in that moment is for this man to acknowledge what he did to his family and instead he straight up makes a joke out of it yeah that's horrible i've never seen this actor do anything else but i know that i would feel genuine hate in my heart if i ever saw him do anything else you know (laughs) no and he's so good he's so good he is so good at making us absolutely despair buys him yeah oh it's it's horrible so he's like okay so you like wrote this or what oh my god did you like take my name for like revenge or something that's really cute like that wasn't even my real name dude it's and like dude like calm down like i ran that con loads of time like it's it's not my fault that your mom went weird about it it's so horrible so he reminds her of her name or Mm -hmm. he reminds him of her name yeah when like he what does he say he says basically says her name was mary 
she was just some woman. Yeah, and Sawyer says her name was Mary. Like, at least mm-hmm. have the the respect to, like, use her name, you know? Yeah. So he's like, oh, yeah, I actively remember Mary from Jasper, Alabama. So now Sawyer's like, okay, I have official confirmation that it was definitely him. He's like, she basically wanted me to take her 38K and rescue her from her, like, sad life. And Sawyer's like, I need you to finish this letter so I can murder you. <laughs> Once you finish this letter... I can freely murder you. So he's like, I did steal that money, but it's not my fault that your like dad freaked out. But if he did that and he killed some people, then he's probably also in here in hell. So maybe you should go and like talk to him about it. Yikes. Mary from Jasper, Alabama. Yeah, I remember her. She practically begged me to take her $38,000 and to rescue her from her sorry little life finish the letter look i only took her money it ain't my fault your dad overreacted if he pulled the old murder suicide then i'm sure he's down here somewhere uh maybe you could take this up with him finish it okay okay I just feel like this is such a deeply, deeply important scene that like needed to be written by Damon and Carlton. And I'm mm-hmm. just really pleased that they wrote this episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And I also think like, I feel like at this point in Sawyer's journey, if Anthony Cooper had just like taken this seriously, if he had finished reading the letter, if he had had a single moment of realization of the pain he caused i genuinely think that sawyer wouldn't have killed him but Mm. the second that anthony starts making a mockery of it that's what sets him over the edge and and yeah i don't really blame him for that yeah it's so hard to care that like a life ended in this episode like mm-hmm. i like in a lot of the episodes like i care when like any characters die like even if it's a villain i'm like okay so that was a life that was lost of like i care but i find it so genuinely difficult to like not care that anthony cooper died i'm like I just, it feels so right that you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. If any character in Lost deserves to die, it's this one. Yeah, I do not feel bad for Anthony Cooper for one second, but I do feel bad for Sawyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. I do not care that Anthony Cooper is dead, but I care about the toll that it takes on Sawyer. Yeah. Because he he never wanted to be a murderer, I don't think. I'm really pleased that this episode was written by Damon and Carlton, and one of the things that I wanted to point out for this also is that you can tell that so many of the episodes of Lost are done with such care because they're usually written by two people rather than one. Mm-hmm. Like you can see, you know, you look at who wrote um, a lot of like CW shows. Uh, when I'm looking at Riverdale. I'm looking at The 100. And most of the time the episodes are written by one person. Like it's a writer's room, but then one person writes it. And so I just noticed that like Lost is done with such care because it's almost always two people who wrote an episode together. Yeah. And I mean, I have no idea how that process works, but I would just, yeah. I would think that having more than one brain like yeah like a second opinion contributing to like the ultimate decisions of an episode is like always better than you know having just one person making the call that's true so he rips up the letter instead of finishing it which was the last straw so sawyer chokes him with the chain and on lostpedia it says sawyer kills anthony cooper using chains of people who were imprisoned and trapped 
and he and Locke were imprisoned by the past actions of Anthony Cooper and his death is meant to like set them free. Ooh, metaphors. Ooh, that's why he left his knife out. (laughs) (laughs) So correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it would take longer to like kill somebody by actual strangulation. Did he, did he break his neck? I mean, I don't know. It's very reminiscent of um, Leia killing Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi where like Mm -hmm. it's pretty much done. Well, you know, even that one isn't done like quickly. She struggles a little bit. I don't know. It just brought back moments of that in my brain. Clearly he is dead. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how long it takes to to choke someone. I like, I watched Murdoch Mysteries a lot when I was a teenager. I don't know why I watched that show, but I did. (laughs) Um, And there was one of the episodes where they explained how people die when they're hanged. And Mm. basically like, if you drop them from a high enough like height, then like their, their neck snaps. So like if his neck snapped or his like windpipe got broken, then he would die almost instantaneously. My weird morbid knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that has to be what happened because I feel like actual strangulation and like actual drowning like actually takes quite a while time uh, quite a while so Locke comes in and he's like hey uh thanks and Sawyer's like "Uh, I've killed two people am I officially a murderer now Sawyer little little Sawyer I'm like no buddy this one doesn't count this one this one doesn't count you can forget about this one it doesn't count so Sawyer is like we said before puking outside because what he did was like gross and it makes him feel gross about himself and Locke's like okay Sawyer thanks go home bye bye and I'm like can you like comfort him or something (laughs) So you're just like, why yeah. did you do this to me? And it reminds me of like Locke being like, Ben, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And instead of Locke being like, like Locke just kind of like slogs it off on Sawyer instead. And I feel like it makes it really clear when Sawyer says the exact same thing that Locke's been saying all episode to Ben. Yeah, I feel like for a lot of characters, like this back half of the season is kind of like a turning point for the show. Because, like, a lot of the characters are, like, shifting a lot of their dynamics. Like, Jack, I think, fundamentally shifted, like, a couple episodes when, like, he got caught by the, like, when he was released from the others. For some reason, like, his character is, like, all weird, like, after the sub got blown up. Like, Mm -hmm. and then I think Sawyer kind of changes from this point out. And we were talking about Kate earlier and, like, Locke. I think after this, Locke is, like, completely different, too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. So he's, like, he ruined both of our lives. So that's why he needed to die. And also, Juliet is a mole working for Ben. Uh, They're going to raid the beach in three days and take all the pregnant people. They say that they don't want anyone to get hurt, but, like, you know, I don't know. And so he was like, why are you telling me this? And he's like, so you can warn everybody. And so he's like, no, you do it. And he's like, I'm not going back. So if you don't do it, no one's getting warned. <laughs> and he's like, oh, are you going back undercover? And he's like, no, I was lying about that. <laughs> I was never undercover. I'm doing my own thing now. So he's like, they're not going to believe me about Juliet. I've been saying it since she showed up. So then Locke gives Sawyer the tape recorder that he stole so that now they will. And that's kind of another moment for the audience being like, yes, finally. Nice. And then Sawyer goes, is it true that you were thrown out a window and that you were paralyzed? And Locke says, not anymore. And I'm like, well, no, dude, like, it's still true. Like, it still happened. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, that, that doesn't erase the past. I'm like, that's okay. That's not correct. But okay. Sawyer's like, all right, whatever, dude. And Locke walks away with the body. And I'm just like, oh, putting your face right beside the face of a dead body, even if it's in a bag. No, thank you. I would also get squigged out by that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I miss me with that. Nope. Now, is he going to say that he killed Anthony Cooper himself? Or is he going to say that Sawyer did it? Who knows? I 
think he'll think- just like be like, hi, you said don't come back without the body. I'm here now. I'm here. I did it. I'm here now and I have the body. So yeah, that's what you wanted, right? Here you go. Instructions clear. Yeah, I did it. Did you, um, like a couple episodes ago when Claire wrote in, not wrote in, when Claire recorded her like, no, I love Claire's like little segment. It's it's, it's so much fun. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so helpful. Claire Claire's Catholic corner. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. The best. So I was like, I don't, I was listening to it like last week and I was thinking about uh, when I watched this episode today, I was like, oh, this like has like similar symbolism. That's interesting. And I was like, this, like the setup of like Locke killing his father, like the whole setup is reversed. Oh yeah. Instead of, um, instead of the father sacrificing the son. Right. And so Locke, it's not that Locke like, um, is turned away at the last second. It's that he goes and gets someone else to do it. Hmm. And like, I can't, like, there was like a, like another couple things that were like reversed in this like idea that I had but it's like it's the whole setup is different but like it's kind of the same idea of like sacrificing like this sacrifice is like I guess demanded by the island right maybe yeah right like like can you believe it Boone Boone was the uh, (laughs) sacrifice the island demanded and so is Anthony Cooper you know (laughs) Robin did you just bring up Boone. I did. Go ahead and mark that one off. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, like every once in a while when like I'm listening to that part of the podcast when Claire writes it, like I'm Muslim and so like a lot of the stories I've heard before, but they're all of the stories have like something different to the way I grew up with them. Mm. And like I, rationally, like I know there's a reason why they're different religions. Obviously the texts are different, right? <laughs> but like in my head, I'm like listening to Claire talk about Abraham, peace be upon him, taking his son Isaac and I'm like in my head I'm like I sit down and I process that first then I go search it up I'm like okay so in both different religions different sons okay and then I'm like so in Islam Ishmael was the person that came up to the mountain with Abraham peace be upon him and then also the other thing is like one of the main focuses that I had when I was a kid was one of the only things like um in the Quran that like I was like that's like really focused on is Abraham asks his son what he thinks that he should do. And I'm like, it's just, there was a lot of focus. And I'm like, interesting. Oh, so that story is completely different with completely different ideas. And like some of the stories I know this for, but like this one, I was like, totally like, oh, that's really cool and really interesting. Yeah, they they intersect so much, but then there's also like those slight differences. Yeah. So I'm like out here looking at this scene. I'm like, this is kind of interesting. And yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Are you guys good to move on to segments? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So now it's time for segments. Our first segment is our favorite line award. My favorite line award goes to Naomi and Saeed for... What was your name? Saeed. Yes. Remind me not to rescue you, Saeed. <laughs> Incredible. The sass. Burn. This is like the first time we're really talking to Naomi and I'm like, she's got spunk. Oh, she does. She does. Yeah. My favorite line award goes to Luck and Ben for... But I thought I was special. Well, everyone makes mistakes. That is Incredible. so cruel. Oh, Ben. And my favorite line award goes to Jack and Juliet for... You missing those cheeseburgers yet? Only ever second. That's relatable as well. Oh, a little banter. 
We love it. Yeah. Our next segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. Uh, this episode, we're talking about Locke, so we've got it easy. Um, Locke is almost always an exclusive Man of Faith, although he does have a sweet little uh, science experiment to see if... <laughs> Sawyer will come and do it and and he makes it happen you know like Richard says this should work if you do this properly and Locke says okay I will but you can also you know you can also spin it but he has faith that Sawyer will join him you know like so who knows yeah oh yeah that's that's a faithy man yeah 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 for sure and then our next segment is Sawyer's book corner we have The Oath The Oath by John Lesk how the heck do you even pronounce that? Let's 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 so many vowels. Let's let's so I don't know. Art. It's a two thousand novel about a doctor who murders seriously ill patients for financial gain. Cool, cute. That's fun. But what I like is that this is only two thousand four in canon, so it kind of shows us that they have like fairly recent books. They don't just have old books. They have like the new stuff. This one just came out four years ago in canon. Wow. That was kind of cool. And then we also have a book called Word Power. I couldn't really find much about that, but apparently we do. I've never heard of that. Wait, who has that? Who is that? It's on Ben's bookshelf. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Ben's impractical bookshelf. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, and they referenced Tom Sawyer a couple times as well, obviously. Did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode. And yes, they did do do the thing. Locke said it once. Ben's inside in the brig. How many episodes since the last knockout? Alas, we are going to go down to zero for this one. Um, because Anthony Cooper got absolutely smacked in the face by Ben. And are we upset about it? I don't think so. No. No. Does this episode pass the Bechtel test? Not even close. How many women are in this episode? Kate? I want to say... Juliet? Naomi, Kate, Juliet, Cindy. Cool. And I think that's it. Cool. Yeah. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Thank you to uh, my roommates, Emily, Brittany, and Sam for hanging out while I recorded this podcast. And thanks to my dog for being uh, pretty chill during it. Oh. Anybody else want to give any shout outs? Thank you to uh, my parents for being kind of quiet. Thank you to my sister for being very quiet while she sat in the same room as me. Oh my god. What an icon. I had no idea you were in the same room as another person. She's like, I only got half, I only got a third of this conversation, but I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) If you were so inclined, please write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a fan of The 100, we talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing, no spoilers. And now we're going back to do the good old days, starting with season three and ending with season one, um, kind of as a catharsis because uh, that show hurt our feelings. Uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We have done every single episode of Riverdale that is currently out. Um, God bless and you. the rest of season six is coming out. Uh, by the time this comes out, it will have started up again. So. Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah. I gotta catch up. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch the last five episodes um (laughs) um should i do that probably not no yes you you should at least one of them at least two of them you should definitely watch i need to do that okay okay if you're a fan of stranger things we like to talk about that show too we have done every episode of stranger things so far as well um so catch up with that uh before season four comes out because we're going to be doing something special for season four Ah! 
I'm so excited. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram. Mostly Twitter, but Robin does make gifts of our favorite line words on Tumblr. So check those it's out. True. Like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's really expensive. It, I, it's, it's free for you to listen to, but it's not free to make. And I work really hard on it. I put lots of hours in. So I really appreciate your help. I cannot even tell you how much work Robin puts into this. Like, yeah, other people talk. But oh my god, Robin is the backbone of this and she works so hard. It's insane. Thank you. It is my passion project and I uh, it means a lot to me that so many people listen to it and clearly have not yet found me so annoying because I'm constantly talking. You're the best. Never stop talking. <laughs> okay. Uh, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere if you're looking for me talking, but in text form. Wow. Mm. And yeah. you can follow me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV, which is C-A-S-E-Y. Watches TV. You can spell yeah. it. <laughs> it's in the description. Don't worry about it. You'll get it. And thank you so much to Isra for joining us. Yay! Isra's the best. You are very nice to me. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god, Isra, you're amazing. Yeah, you're a great guest for sure. Thank you. You can find me at Isra Glass on Twitter. I don't really do other social medias publicly, but if you want to like look at me bake cakes or cookies or knit things, follow me there. Or talk about Lost. Or talk about Lost. I do like talking about Lost there. Yeah. Uh, our next episode is episode 320. It's the man behind the curtain. Very excited about this episode. And our guest is going to be my little sister, Callie. Yay! Kelly. That should be fun. Yeah. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Yay. Okay. Spoilers. Okay, so we're going to start with spoilers for the beach storyline. The first one I have is just Sawyer is the Little Spoon. And that's like, that was a huge deal in season five when we saw it with Juliet. But oh that wasn't God. even the first time that we'd seen it, I realized watching yep. this episode. Man just loves to be Little Spoon. We already knew that he was Little Spoon. I think everyone just loves Sawyer and Juliet so much that yeah. they're like, oh my God, Sawyer is the Little Spoon. This is revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I had for the beach storyline was that, um... Saeed can tell when someone is lying and Naomi isn't necessarily lying about some things, but she is lying about other things. So like she knows about the plane wreckage as far as I understand, because she's working for Widmore. So yeah. Widmore's the one who put it in the ocean. So I think that she knows that the plane isn't real. And um, she definitely knew she was coming to this island. And also... And she's also not working for Penny. She's working for Yeah, herself. like not Penny's boat. Like Penny does not know about this boat. She doesn't know about yeah. Naomi. She has no... Yeah, this is not Penny's boat. <laughs> yeah, so there's some of the things that she's saying are true, but Saeed can see that she is lying. He just doesn't know what she's lying about exactly. Saeed is so smart. Like, yeah, just uh, I mean, if I was talking to Naomi to oh, my God, if I was talking to Naomi, I would be like, uh, sure, I believe you. You're the first person who is not on this island who I've ever met, who I'm hearing from for the first time in so many days. Like, yeah, I have no reason not to believe you. But Saeed just knows like, yeah, oh, he can just read people so well. Can I bring up like a random theory that I've had for a while? Yes. Literally always. So, you know, like in flashes before your eyes. Desmond like sees like all of those flashes I just 
I know maybe this is not the case, but also, like, I just will always believe this was the case. But, like, in the season finale of season two, like, him going and, like, seeing all of these flashes, I just always thought that that was genuinely, like, him going into the past and, like, slightly changing things. And so, like, Mm -hmm. at the beginning of season three, like, all of these people, they have haircuts and Nikki and Paolo show out of nowhere. And I'm like, this is the thing. Desmond went into the past and now there's Nikki and Paolo. Oh, my God. And Claire has bangs now and so this is how this works i don't know why i fixed on this theory i'm obsessed with this theory that's amazing but i was like this is why claire can have a haircut it's because desmond turned the failsafe key desmond willed it (laughs) yeah like i know they have scissors but like who did your bang so expertly yeah like they look so great in the like the premiere of season three in the first couple episodes i'm like all of you got haircuts and you all look fantastic but i don't understand how this happened because where is the hair salon yeah it's definitely desmond turning the the like override key yeah Yeah, 100 percent. yeah for sure he did that So one of the other things I had was um, Saeed being like, no, none of these channels work. Like there must be interference or something. And that's like the whole thing is that the interference is coming from the looking glass and they need to turn it off before they can do any like talking. I bet nothing devastating will come from that. Yeah, probably not. Mm. But like I had mentioned, I think in Catch-22 that like they're showing us the um, like wire in the middle of the beach again for like no real reason other than to remind us that it's there so that it is important in the season finale which is really masterful and so this is also you know them planting these seeds so early before before the it's important in the finale yeah i mean this is like at least the the second time in the past couple episodes that they've yeah established hey there's there's a wire here we're not going to tell you much about it but you know Mm -hmm. just just think about it yeah the only other thing that i had for this storyline was just that like the thing that juliet wants to tell kate is just that she has already told jack about ben's whole plan and like what she's supposed to do and i'm not really sure why it's a secret only between the two of them and why jack hasn't told anybody about it i yeah i was honestly so confused i mean like yes i have seen this three times but i was honestly like what what do they have what are they hiding from her what do they have to yeah tell her? yeah it's literally just that juliet told jack that she's supposed to like mark the tents of the pregnant women or whatever and that they're coming in three days so they need to be ready mm. and that's it they had to have told Rousseau though about something they had to yeah. have, like talk to Rousseau though because of the dynamite stuff right yeah that's the reason that she's at the black rock getting dynamite is because of that plan oh my god i love russo the way she literally just shows up out of nowhere yeah. says i'm here for dynamite grabs the dynamite bye now yeah and leaves <laughs> yeah and that's it it's like such a good great cliffhanger because you're like what is she gonna blow up i really want to know <laughs> like I'm, yeah i'm sorry you described dynamite yeah and you find out in like two episodes so you don't even have to wait that long nice amazing so into the flashes ben is like you're the one who brought him here in the magic box and i was like does ben really believe that but i don't think so they like the others brought him here right yeah i think he thinks well i think he thinks jacob brought him there oh so who was the guy who smiled i wonder if jacob was the guy who smiled at him then like in the ambulance i mean that's what i was thinking this I think that's what I was initially thinking. Interesting. Okay. It could be Jacob. It could be Abaddon. It could be like Mr. Friendly's off the island at some point. Like 
recently because like what is that episode meet kevin johnson like you said mr friendly true true yeah i don't know if jacob like physically brought him but i mean i feel like it was his plan yeah Yeah, his doing i think that for friendly storyline meet kevin johnson takes place before like all of the stuff that happens in season three okay because i'm pretty sure because um well mr friendly dies at the end of season three Mm. and and michael has to he has to go talk to michael and then michael has to decide to get on the freighter and then he has to go on the huge voyage right so i think that in between see like sometime within season oh wait i guess it was at the beginning of season when the heck did friendly go i know friendly's like out here because michael left at the end of season two friendly's like out here on vacation maybe this is friendly's vacation time and he's just like hanging out with his boyfriend i don't know yeah yeah because because how long was michael there before he had gotten to the point where he was like almost going to like shoot himself because that's when friendly shows up okay we're gonna have to i'll I'll look that up later but how long has michael been gone well he's only been gone like a month like just the timeline is very short i am confused yeah he's on that freighter he's on that freighter when they leave so yeah Maybe maybe he gets on at a port or something. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to watch for that. I I that is right because I remember friendly giving him a plane ticket. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I think. I think yeah. maybe. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun because then like Lapidus and Miles are both on the boat already. And like, so is Naomi, even though like she's already died in like a previous episode. And like he walks on and like meets Miles and Lapidus and you're like, you guys are all my friends, but separately. (laughs) And now you guys are meeting. (laughs) Cute. So uh, when Ben says, oh, we're like going to an old place, I believe they're heading to the temple. Yeah. Oh, I think we sort of alluded to this already, but like Ben being like, you have to murder your father because your old self that has trauma from him will never be free until you kill him. And it's because Ben is speaking from experience because he murdered his own father because of his trauma. And then he, and then he felt free, I guess. Ayo. Yeah. Because he's a crazy person who's willing to murder people though. Yeah. I like something like, good God, Ben is so, so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Ben is so much. <laughs> Summary of lost. Yeah. Ben so much. Correct. Ben so much. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Or it just Ben is so much? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just think that like, yeah, Ben is clearly taking out his daddy issues on Locke right now. Yeah. I have a note about Richard being a liar. Ooh, say that. Yeah, go on. Because I'm like, sir, like, he goes up to Locke and Locke is like, why are you talking to me? And then Richard is like, because you're so special because plain and you are no longer, your back is no longer broken and you can walk around. And I'm like, sir, you've known Locke for like years and you've met up with him. Like, that's not why. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Like, Richard first met Locke in the 50s, and he looked exactly the way he does now. And Richard's like, oh, weird. I thought that was my thing. It's like looking the same all the time, but okay. Mm. I know that they didn't know. That's like two seasons away. So like the writers didn't know that yet. Probably not. But I'm just going to pretend that Richard, like, understands time travel and, you know, is like, that would be weird if I brought that up now. (laughs) (laughs) I saw, do you remember when I came in to see you as a child and asked you to choose between a bunch of objects and then you got it wrong when I left? (laughs) Remember when I was there at your birth? That was such a weird plot point because I'm like, is this, like, that's like, also, like, to bring up Avatar again, because that is my version of my, like, I watch 
Avatar The Last Airbender, like Robin watches Lost. Like maybe yeah. like slightly less than, but like it's it's a similar intensity and number of times of watching. That's amazing. Yeah. So like part of the like Avatar in Avatar The Last Airbender, part of how the airbenders know the next Avatar is they bring up like a bunch of like toys. And I know that's like from that's how they choose the next Dalai Lama, I think. Oh, okay. In like real life. So I'm like, this uh-huh. is like an interesting plot point that I'm like, what is this like weird religious thing that you're bringing up but right. you have no context for? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true. Because like the goal is like, you've had these items in a past life and so pick which items are yours gotcha oh oh i don't even remember which one Locke chooses yeah i don't remember i think he chooses something he wanted not something he had and then richard gets mad had yeah yeah i'm just like i remember as an audience member watching it and being like oh good he chose the right one and then it ends up not being true you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. But I remember like the writing being like the thing he chose in my opinion was like, oh, I think that is the thing that I would have chosen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if I was Locke, I don't know. The only other thing that I had for that scene was just that Richard's like, man, no matter how much time you spend on this island, it never stops being beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, how much time have you spent, bud? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much time? How long have you been here? I do. Yeah. Like, do you know the answer to that question? <laughs> so long. Uh, well, he said uh mid 1900 so uh 100 years if not just if not like 150 dang like that's that's so long i can because i think he was already in his 30s when he came onto the island richard albert lost uh lostpedia thank you to the creators and community at lostpedia you do Brittany says richard albert is a dilf <laughs> Um, his birth is between 1827-1837, age between 170 and 180. Wow. And then I think he was already like 30-ish, maybe more. So my guess is that he's about 140 years old. Or he's been on the island for about 140 years. That oh boy. Is so, maybe that's why he's so chill. Because he's like, <laughs> I've seen you all and I've seen a lot of you die. And so... I'm not getting attached. Yeah, yeah nothing can phase me anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to move on to the present now unless someone has something else for the flashes. Oh, uh, the only other thing is like Locke, I think, is more likely to follow Jacob. Yes. Yeah. Than Rose's. Which is why it sucks that he dies before he gets to like meet him or have anything to do with him, really. Other than like going into the cabin and, th- and him being like, help me. Yeah. Like, what are you even in help for? Is that Jacob? I've always wondered. I don't know. I think it was probably MIB. Mm. But I need to rewatch it to like see exactly what all of the like clues are, you know? Mm. Um, okay, so for the present storyline, uh, yes, yeah, so uh, Locke is like, it's a slaving ship, mid-19th century. Um, it is confirmed in Abiturno to have crashed on the island in 1867, so that's correct. And Richard is, of course, the one who's brought here in the Black Rock, uh, which is another one of the best twists and character connections ever. Oh my god, absolutely insane. It's, like, so good. Like, I don't think I ever expected to get a flashback to the Black Rock. Me neither. And they gave it to me. Nope. They're like, there are unanswered questions. There's a pirate ship in the middle of the of the jungle. And I was like, yeah, that's just a weird magic island thing. No, they tell us. Nope. They yeah. tell us about it. They tell us about it. And it's one of the characters that we already love. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. That's yeah. so insane. Uh, Rousseau is getting dynamite for her plan with Jack. What she's doing that for. Oh, I have a question. Sure. 
is that did that like crash into the the statue like fertility yes. statue okay I was like I had yeah. this in my memory but I'm like did that happen yeah we see that, that in the season five finale yeah okay and that's how so that's how that broke and also how it got to the middle of the ocean or how it got to the middle of the jungle because it was like on such a big wave Dang. amazing there's dynamite in the black rock and just like in season six Jacob won't let two candidates die here so mm-hmm. even though like they're you know he can't if you, even if you shot a gun in here then like all the dynamite would go off or like Locke has his fire at the beginning of it which is just straight up stupid of him to do Jacob will not let candidates die like that mm-hmm. just like for stupid reasons yeah no we also talk about like the island being hell and how they're all dead the whole time and Richard thinks this when in Abiturno but it also really messed up a lot of theories and really like fed into the they were dead the whole time thing. And mm-hmm. that's annoying. <laughs> it really yeah. is. I talked to yeah. someone the other day that was like, they weren't dead. And I was like, no, no. did you watch the finale? And they were like, <laughs> yeah, but like they went through that door and I'm like, no, no, no. The like sideways. Yes, they were all dead on the island. They were not all dead. And they were like, yeah, pay attention. <laughs> Yeah, literally just pay attention. That's all it takes. I, like, are there, like, more, like, really violent bits in this show? Like, because the last couple episodes have been, like, a little bit, a little bit much. Yeah, next episode, Ben kills his dad in a really violent way, so no. And then we get Greatest Hits. I think Greatest Hits will be okay. Okay. Because I'm like, I for- sometimes I forget, and maybe a little bit I block it out, but some, like, yeah. la- what was it, Charlie? And then, I can't remember what it was the last episode, but, like, t- so much. It's like... Yeah, yeah. Well, like, freaking Naomi last episode got, like, her lung... Oh, jeepers. ...fixed, and then, like, the one before that... That was the oh, arrow. Oh, the arrow in the neck, yeah, yeah, yikes. No, that's... You're right. And then, like, even before that, Mikhail gets shocked and... They're uh, really going for gore this season. Just, like, not... Yeah, super are. I'm, like, not super into, like, gory stuff, but, like, this this season, I'm like, okay, this is fine. This is an acceptable level of, like, this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's all I got. Mm, I think that's all I got, too. Same. All right. Once again, Isra, thank you so much for joining us. Yay! Yay! Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. I was so excited <laughs> to come on this week. <laughs> oh my god, you're amazing like, and you have so many good thoughts. Yeah, it's such a good app. Yeah. You sent me, like, an email, like, on Sunday, and I was like, I can't respond because I don't know how to respond in a way that's, like, not just excited noises. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. Well, we're we're recording this one pretty significantly in advance. And so the episode before Estra's hasn't come out yet. And so I decided I had it edited. So I just sent it to her because I knew that she like actively listened every episode and it would probably mess her up if she like had to skip one. It was very nice. Because <laughs> I know that would ru- that would annoy me. It would annoy me if, it, if I- but now you don't get new episodes for such a long time. That's what I was thinking. I was like, this is like a blessing and a curse. Yeah. <laughs> But now I have it, so I could listen to it anytime I want. That's true. It's very That's nice. True. So, yes, Isra, thank you for coming on. If you guys want to follow Isra, check out her information in the description. My Twitter and Casey's Twitter and all of our stuff is also in the description. At The Aficionados is where you can follow us all over the place. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. You should join it for a myriad of reasons. And I think that's going to be it. We will talk to you guys next episode. Yay. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. 
friends of yours.